Welcome to another episode of the Tokenet Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Yassine, and I am joined by Josh. Hello. Brody. Where have you guys been? <laughs> and Mal. Oh, boy. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. It's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just been sitting in my computer chair here waiting for everyone to get here and start. It's been a while. I, I, I'm thinner than I've ever been. Mm. Well, that's good. That's a positive. I I guess, but now I can play the xylophone on my ribs. Oh, God. Mm. Oh, you'll, you'll <laughs> lack some skill sets then. I, on the other hand, just got Wendy's. Mm. <laughs> Wait, for a whole year? I mean, not like a whole year. you got to take breaks <laughs> in between. Otherwise, you get sick yeah. of it. Yeah, you got to go to McDonald's and, yeah. Burger King. Anyway, but yeah, it, it has been a little over a year since we last put out a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can say is an impromptu hiatus. Uh, just, you know, a lot of stuff happening in everybody's lives. And yeah. uh, as the person who, you know, is tasked to schedule these things, uh, I did, last year was just so hectic that I just wasn't able to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I apologize. Uh, but yeah, now everything's, you know, seemingly going back to normal so i feel confident that we can go back to a normal schedule for the podcast and i'm very excited to get back into talking about tokusatsu because it yeah it has been a while and a lot has happened in the past year or so so uh we're not going to talk about everything but we are going to do a little bit of a format change where we're going to try to do a few topics in this in this podcast um just to sort of catch up and see what you know what we're all thinking about what's been happening in the last several months um but first i want to say you know how are you guys doing josh mal and brody like you haven't been on for a while so how have you guys been oh good hanging and hanging out there trying to uh get back in the swing of things just like everybody else i started finally uh creating tokusatsu tiktoks uh i've only got a few up but it's uh I, I loaded a new one just today, which I imagine by the time everybody else uh, hears this, it'll be old and out the window by that point. But, you know, I, I'm trying to put stuff out there that I wish I saw. And yeah. sometimes the best way to do that is to just, you know, do it yourself. Do it yourself. Absolutely. I did see that first. Uh, I saw that video that you did of the uh, writer uh, Henshins from 71. The to, Showa. Yeah, the Showa, based the Showa era Henshins. I really, I really dug that. I appreciate that. Thank Great. you. What's your What's your TikTok handle? Uh, it's the same as uh, all my other things at Josh Knight first. Cool, 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 cool. Nice, nice. Everybody go subscribe to that. Or uh-huh. is that what you do on TikTok? I don't know. I'm so old. Well, yeah, you know, go follow. I did that one, and then the one I just uploaded is a, uh, a Super Sentai dance party. Oh, that's fun. That sounds fun. It, it took a little yeah, bit of work. <laughs> it took a little bit of work syncing up all the uh, different movements to be on beat with everybody else. But uh, you tend to find out looking at these sort of things that most Sentai dances are a lot easier than you give them credit for, with the exception of Don Brothers and Zenkaiger. Yeah. 
Like, I think, I would assume part of the production is one of the checkboxes they're probably hitting is how easy is it for kids to memorize this? Yeah, can a yeah. three-year-old do this? Yeah, I mean, I, why I, the, the Kyoto one was so popular because it was like very, mm-hmm. very easy. You know, I think I've told you guys this story personally. I don't know if I told the story on the podcast before, but uh, personally, I, I so I took a trip to Japan in 2016 with my high school, and it I went to Toei Hero World back before it closed, and mm-hmm. I got to see them like teaching the Zhuoju dance in person and seeing all the kids trying to do it. It was the cutest thing ever. What was the cute Zhuoju? The, the, let's um, let's dance. Da, 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 da. Yeah, that uh, one. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I told you we wouldn't break into song, but here we are. Here we are. About the, the, I will say in. the one thing because you know you have a lot of material to work with. The one that I didn't stick in there is the most recent one with King Oger because that one seems like, hey guys, we've got ten minutes to come up with a dance. I need you to come up with it, and then we're just gonna film it. Wasn't that a April Fool's joke though? If it was, I wasn't laughing. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Th- I didn't say it was a good one, but I thought it came out like on, <laughs> on April first or something like that. I, I'm forgetting what order shows came out. Uh, what What was the one? Was Zenkaiger after Saber? Yes. Or no, they were about the same time. Because uh, because yeah. I had this thing. I, I think it was the Writer Love podcast that pointed this out, where they said like. The dance sequence in Saber's ending theme didn't feel like the same as a Sentai dance theme. Oh, not at all. Like it, like I, it, it I, would, felt I would not be able to do that. Exactly. That that was their their point. Is that it didn't feel like it was intended for kids to dance along to. And no, it was I, more interpretive dance. Yeah, if you ask I, me. And I wonder if, for some reason, they decided, well, we're still going to work in the dance, but we're not as concerned about making something that can uh that kids can like record themselves dancing to for a hashtag i don't know i wonder right. if something changed along the way where they're like we're still including a dance but not the usual kind hmm. i mean they did kind of uh incorporate didn't they incorporate that into like the the show itself the like, dance uh, no no not the dance but people recording themselves doing something or I'm thinking about Saber. Uh, Never mind. Not, Don't worry not about it. Not entirely sure. Never no, mind. No Don't worry um, about it. Well, I can say that for the past. No, no, that was years. that was Kyoryuger where they did oh. that, where people were recording themselves doing the Kyoryuger dance. Oh the, yeah, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember. That's how we got my... uh, the Gaim cast, right? Did it towards yes. the end of? Yeah. That's right. I, I remember trying to get my uh, anime club friends to do it with me and send it in and see if they would put it on as like, oh, look, foreigners did it. But no. Before Kaylin and I went on our last trip to Japan, which was during yeah, Ninja, we recorded ourselves with somebody uh, doing the Ninja dance. And we we think we did a pretty good job, but it got copyright struck by Toei. Uh. That was, that was also going to be uh, another thing I was going to bring up. You said you were doing TikToks. Uh, how, how much easier is it to do TikToks than YouTube stuff? It's arguably about the same. Uh, it's more geared towards short form, so maybe only a couple of seconds. Nothing I've made has been longer than a minute, really. Mm. Uh, but for somebody like me who was doing YouTube and kind of had a little bit of burnout on that, 
I think it's good therapy to get back into the swing of recording different things and getting ideas out there. That way you're not so focused on, oh, I have to get out this really big idea that has to be like 10, 15 minutes. Even though, you know, they have like, you can upload, I think, now to 10 minutes there on TikTok. But it's at least good enough to get, you know, the word out about something. Just enough to be like, hey, I like this show or I have this funny idea or isn't it interesting how these two things coincide? Right. Uh, have you put it on YouTube Shorts? Uh, I'm going to wait a little bit before I do. I am going to. Uh, I've got a couple on there that I think w- might do better on YouTube. Okay. So I was just thinking, like, because I, uh, I see a lot of people do, you know, put their TikToks on their Instagram feeds or on their uh, YouTube Shorts and stuff, and they kind of just kind of cross-promote between yeah. all. So that could be an, a... a, a viable strategy which I, I feel like I've, I've been slowly getting into like a lot of the tokusatsu content that's on tiktok and stuff recently uh i tried to put my own stuff out there but it didn't i didn't really uh get very far i did like maybe three videos just showcasing some like cool action scene that i liked or whatever but i didn't really get very far in it i may, I may go back into it but and yeah. thankfully there's there's no shortage of people sharing uh, footage of their favorite fights and whatnot, which I think is actually a really good tool of getting people interested in the genre. Because, you know, if you don't have time for somebody to, to like, sit down and watch a 25-minute episode or an hour-and-a-half-long movie, you, most people can sit through, like, 30 seconds of, hey, check out this cool fight. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, while we're on the topic of TikTok, if you guys out there in our audience would like to see any content from the tokusatsu network on tiktok or youtube shorts let us know what you want to see in the uh i guess we're uploading this to youtube as well i believe for the first time Mm. and so let us know in the comments i i don't know what other podcast platforms have comments but uh just tweet at us at the tokenet so let us know what you want to see yeah uh just because we were talking about like what we've been up to uh I have not been super close to tokusatsu for a while just because I've been busy with other things going on in my life. Uh, but recently, sadly, it's because I realized how far along Geats has suddenly become that I was like, you know, I haven't really been collecting the figures. I want to get back to those uh, because right now all I've got is regular Geats and uh, Magnum Boost. And uh, this is about the time when prices are starting to go down for the aftermarket. Anyway, uh, the that's, that's kind of where I am at with Ryder right now. Um, I, I will say, because we were going to talk about Raywell Ryder, um, I need to catch up on Geats. It sounds like it's a very good time. Yeah, me too, actually. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I also feel that. Listen, I I will be honest. I Much like you, Mal, I have not been super close to Tokusatsu for most of the last year. Mm. Uh, and I've got, <laughs> you guys know, I got Tom on my back like, wow, Brody, what a traitor of a friend you are not watching Geats right now. He says that, he says that when I'm on episode three and I haven't said anything. <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay. But anyway, uh, I'm sure that I am not the only one who has been a little uh, behind in the last year. So why don't we go through uh, some of the uh Biggest new, some of the biggest news that happened in the last year, just mm. some of the big yeah. headlines. Well, less about the whole year, just more like in recent, like recent. Yeah, movies. sure. Yeah, sure. Because uh, yeah, if we did the whole, you know, <laughs> news for the past year, 
we'd be here for like five hours. Mm. So okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You know, you know. Let's, let's yeah. Let let's go through what you got, and and I'll do a I'll do a little lightning round of a few things that we didn't. It, it, depending on what you don't mention. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. That sounds fair enough. Uh, so yeah, first up, let's talk about uh, the special that came out in a couple of weeks now as of recording. Uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Once and Always, oh. the 30th anniversary special that was on Netflix. Um, I've Good seen title. it. Uh, who else have seen it? I saw it. I was supposed to watch it earlier today, and then I fell asleep <laughs> for way too long. Oh, man. What oh, are you doing? <laughs> Listen... I, I I said I've been distanced from Tokusatsu for the last year. I ain't lying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fair. Mal, uh, I, uh, I was I was just gonna say also um, in relation to that, people people should probably know at this point how I how good I am at keeping up with shows. Where like I I, <laughs> I, I think a couple months ago I had said, oh yeah, I finally got back to Dragon Ball Super. I'm still on the final story arc. And then I at, as I said that recently, I was like, and I kind of stop watching after a few episodes <laughs> well to be fair it's been a year since we've been on the podcast so I yeah, think people yeah. people have hopes Re- that we got better at it but yeah, yeah. life happens man but life yeah. happens regardless you know, sometimes, you can, sometimes you get you go in and out of tokusatsu i've kind of been <laughs> a little bit of that as well but it's also just been a fact that uh yeah some of the shows just haven't interested me as much yeah. uh, depending yeah. on the season yeah. but we'll get into that later once, uh, once and always good title Good title. Yeah. When, a, when, it, when it comes to Once and Always, the basic premise, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, a, ro- a robo version of Rita appears, literally named Robo Rita, uh, and wreaks havoc, and the, the Power Rangers have to come together once again to fight against the forces of evil, the original team of Power Rangers, and I believe that she actually uh, kills Trini, which is how they tackle the, the 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 very tragic early death of her actress but her daughter is her, her character's daughter is in the show as well and I, I i haven't seen it so i don't know but probably carries on her legacy and they all gotta take on robo rita together and save the world once again as the power rangers do <laughs> once a ranger always uh, a ranger yes. good title that is that is the bare bones of it but i've for me, uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. There's definitely stuff that, you know, it could have been better in certain aspects, but I feel like it definitely did tackle the idea of, you know, mourning the loss of, you know, someone special and close to you. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, I feel like it was, you could see it in the actors that they were sort of uh, channeling their, you know, feelings of missing, you know, Tweet Trang. Uh, in how they were acting in the show, uh, in the special, I mean. Uh, overall, I liked it. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it was very nice to see uh, these characters, these actors back in these roles, uh, especially like Walter Jones. Like, he hasn't missed a step at all. Mm. Billy has, Billy, I feel like he he carried the a lot of the emotions of the show, of the special, which was great. Uh the new uh, actress, I forget her name. Uh, I, I need to look it up. Uh, but yeah, overall, I thought overall I thought I thought it was a very I thought it was a I thought it was a good fun special. Mm. Uh, while you're looking up the name, uh, I was also going to ask. I couldn't remember. Has Walter Jones made an appearance before? 
No. Not uh, since the not since his character left for the peace conference. Oh there was wow. One, there was yeah, there was one um I don't think I don't know how many people know about it. There was a special that aired in the late nineties where they did like basically like a flashback kind of thing. I think it was around like I want to say it was before Time Force or something like that. I can't remember where it was in the timeline. But I remember it was like, I think it was Jason, or Austin St. John and uh, Walter Jones as themselves, or just like kind of hosting this special where they did like, it's basically a clip show. Oh. Uh, but I feel like that came out, that definitely came out after like, I think In Space or something like that. But I can't remember which season it was in. Hmm. Uh, but I that's think- kind of the last time I've seen him in the show yeah so so yeah it, it's been a long time not to not to downplay the fact that it's his first time coming back in a long time but i also think the the big thing to talk about if you're familiar with power rangers actors is the fact that david yost is coming back to power rangers yeah yeah that, that, yes that, for sure uh, that is something so that probably would never deal. happen mm. i i remember so this is i remember uh, when I was, uh, I don't even, I think there was a very recently where I made this remark to you guys where I was like, I, I had been under the impression that because he, of course, has reasonable thoughts about uh, working with Saban, that he just doesn't want to get associated with this franchise. I had been under the impression that he probably doesn't want to be associated with fans either, but you guys have said he, he has interacted with fans pretty well. Oh yeah, yeah, I personally met him at a convention uh, a few years ago. I think it was, and he was he was really nice. You know, he, he, um, he's one that I want to to be able to meet at a convention one day. Same. No, he's a very nice guy. If you ever get the chance to do so, uh, what I think was interesting was that I think with a lot of people, they had very high expectations for the special, and spe- specifically regarding Billy. If you know more than just oh, I watched the show, and then suddenly one day in Zio, Billy is gone. If you know the reasoning why he was gone, yeah, it kind of leaves a really sour taste in your mouth. So yeah. mm. I think it, it speaks a lot to David to want to come back and still take on the character after all this time. Like enough time has passed. You know, people have made apologies. He's, you know, distanced himself from that point in his life mm-hmm. and is more comfortable in the space he was in. He would never have come back had he not been comfortable with whatever they were offering. Mm. Uh, first and foremost. Like- I also wonder if he, if another reason why he came back is because of the change of, you know, ownership. Right. I uh, absolutely think that was a factor. Yeah. Unfortunately, one of the many shows that I really want to watch that I haven't watched yet is the majority of Dino Fury. But from my understanding, there was at least an episode that dealt with uh, some progressive content that I think he would be okay be into. Oh, not just an episode. It's like. Dino Fury is fairly progressive. Uh, yeah, it's like I mean, I mean, like the introduction yes. of the Green Ranger has her ripping well, off that, her that, skirt. I, I was, I was more so saying like that there was a moment where a character was uh, holding hands with another lady. Yes, yeah, the Green the, Ranger. There's that too. I don't, yeah. I don't know how much that got explored, the, but uh, I just thought I mean, she, that to me. Oh yeah, her that, her that to me sounds her orientation like, is like confirmed. Oh, cool. Yeah, the, that was the thing yeah. is uh, once he was announced to be coming back for this special, I thought, I guess. He saw that episode <laughs> and thought, I oh, Power Rangers and saw that episode and thought Power Rangers is in a very different place than it was in the 90s. Yeah, like like Josh said, he, he had to have felt like very comfortable, mm-hmm. comfortable enough to come back. 
which is a good thing. Yeah. And I think the special benefited greatly from that because every, I mean, when people think about, you know, MMPR, you know, one of the big, you know, names you think of is Billy. Mm-hmm. Billy, Tommy, uh, you know, you, you, you think of that core cast and having, you know, two of them back is great. Especially yeah. with... Well, People forget that David, I mean, as Billy, has that distinction. Tommy is the most arguably recognizable of the mm-hmm. core cast from the original season, but Billy had the longest run of being in the show straight, yeah. uh, you know, straight mm-hmm. through from the beginning to his departure in Zio, which is three and a half seasons. Mm-hmm. No other actor has managed that run, you know, yeah. straight from episode one all the way there. Yeah. He he was there for, a, and if things had gone different, I feel like he would have been there a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he enjoyed. It seemed like he enjoyed that role, despite it, it, everything it, else going on behind the scenes. But it, uh, it is cool that you know this special was focused on Zach and Billy because, like, you know, if you know Jason was in it or if Tommy was in it, they would have been relegated to like, you know how it was back in the day so the fact that they are front and center you know carrying this whole special i feel like that's a very like poignant thing to point out like that that is Mm -hmm. such an important thing and makes this very unique in a special yeah not to i i don't want it i don't want it to sound like i'm i'm speaking ill of jason david frank rest in peace but Mm -hmm. i always think of I think the last time that they got Jason David Frank, they they had him show up. He was like the main character, and he got like a special gold morpher. Yes, that, the that, master that, morpher. That's, that's the yep, master morpher. Um, and that's exactly what I don't want for a crossover. I want I want it to be a team focus. Yeah, I mean that was more of a they they got who they could get for that. You know, it wasn't like like this was you know outside of the currently running show like this was like specifically a mighty morphin special right whereas that one was like you know a special within you know ninja steel or within mega mega force you know it's like well it's the, like, the, the biggest difference would be dimensions in danger that was a celebration of the entirety of the franchise which is what you know what yaz is saying here this is specifically for mighty morphin mm-hmm. so anything within those first three seasons it's relegated to just celebrating that and those people and those actors yeah, right. Exactly. Um, but uh, Josh, what did you, what did you think of the of this special? I mean, there were things that obviously, like I'm, I try to be, I'm a fan of Tokusatsu, but at the same time, I'm not so much of a fan that I can't be critical of certain things. So I, I will at least say, for the things I liked, the things that worked, they worked great. Specifically, you know, seeing uh, Billy back from Aquatar, even though they don't at all address when he got back from Aquatar, that's fine. Uh, Walter, I think, outshone David because of how much he was having to interact with men for the bulk of it, being the surrogate dad. He really, like, outshone any performance that he had throughout the entirety of the show. I think it was a smart decision to make Rocky the comic relief that he just can't get a bite to eat, no matter how hard he tries. And... (laughs) One thing I absolutely have to, you know, tip my hat to is 
Barbara Goodson coming back as Rita, that is the most, like, Rita was, I, I, I think I'm allowed to say this, Rita was such a bitch this time. Like, she was mean to the Rangers before, but she was, like, mean this time. I thought you were going to say she was, was, I thought you were going to say she was such an iconic part of the show, so I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) Oh, she was. (laughs) And on top of being an iconic part of the show, she was such a bitch when she's a robot. Mm. (laughs) She she has no humanity left. I mean, it was bad enough yeah, as, as it was before, but I think the the freedom of having the Netflix writing allowed her to be like, no, I really can't stand you, Rangers. Like, come oh, on. Yeah. I, I remember, um, I, I believe I saw on Twitter, um, Simon Bennett was, was talking about how, um, he, he was talking about how this is a special for the people who grew up with Mighty Morphin Power Rangers who are now adults. Uh-huh. Like, very specifically, that is their target yes. audience. Versus, you know, the the, sh- the regular show, which is targeted at kids still, and so it's a very different approach that they that they would take to that sort of thing, and so it's really. Cool I appreciate that approach so much, though. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I, I think it helped verify that no, she is still very much a threat to these people and is still holding a grudge despite being a robot. Oh, as far as the uh, overall, um, the overall, uh, I don't want to say quality, but like. How the whole thing came together as as a as a product, like like, how what was your guys's take on uh, the the overall style of it and the the you know how the writing I, and the filming and everything came together? I think the filming is what it should be. I know a lot of people online and different pieces on different other sites were getting mad, like how come it looks so cheap? And it's like no, it looks like the show did. Did you watch the show? Because I was there. <laughs> You yeah. know, 1993 ni- through 1995, I was watching those episodes religiously, and it looks just like it did then, which is the whole point. This isn't this isn't trying to be a reboot. This is a continuation of that story told in that same visual medium. That having been said, the one, not so much, I don't want to make it a complaint, but the one note I would have given is that compared to how things are going over in Japan right now with Super Sentai, specifically the last two seasons, the one thing I wish they had done is that if they didn't have the budget for an in-suit fight, I wish, similarly to how the old show was done, that they had outsourced the Megazord fight to Toei's visual effects department to do that in CG. Yeah. That they took that on because, quite honestly, once the Megazord was done transforming... I've seen better done in Blender by people on Twitter. Yeah, the 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 actual like uh, sequence where the Zords like you know they basically recreated how the Zords come out when they get called and the transfer like the the combination sequence looked really good. Like they really did like recreate it. But yeah, once it became a full Megazord, yeah, it did not. It, I've seen someone. Now I I, saw someone I, on I will say this just to be. You know, because just my opinion, anybody else is welcome to share it or not. I, as much as I dislike the look of this fight here in Once and Always, I prefer this Megazord fight over the 2017 Megazord fight. Mm, I don't know. About See, now we're getting into. I, now we're getting into. I, the I said what I said. Opinions. I said <laughs> what I said. Quarters. <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of the 2017 like. Uh, Megazord designs at all, uh, but the CG was definitely better. 
it's it's a little hard I mean, that, to, it's a little hard quality, to compare. I mean, it's hard to compare because that was a movie budget. Yeah. Obviously. Well, I mean, in uh, terms of the the choreography, at least this one in Once and Always, it felt the movements were a Megazord fight. It just wasn't animated well enough. Uh, but the But I preferred the choreography. The movement like they they did give more scale in the 2017 movie though. Which but I guess helps that's not because really what MPR did really, I guess. Well, yeah, because it's not even about that. Like, at that point, this is the one thing I think was missing from the special, for as much as I like about it, was that that little factor of there's always going to be the Japanese element to it. It's not until these most recent seasons, like uh, Dino Fury and what have you, that you're trying to make things, or even with the upcoming Cosmic Fury, that you're trying to make things more, oh, it's we're doing it entirely in-house with our own people. But even then... They're still borrowing footage from Super Sentai for what's going to be the upcoming Zord footage from Q-Ranger. There still needs to be that little bit of element that all the way back in 93, kids didn't realize they were falling in love with Tokusatsu. They just didn't know that there was a word for it yet. Mm. And it's it's that element. It's the Japanese footage. That's what's winning you over because it'd be one thing to see, oh, there's these really attractive teenagers in high school who are fighting these turkey-sounding guys. That's one thing. But then when they switch over to the Japanese footage, then it transports you. And that's the the element I think was missing is just that little bit extra that could have put it over the top for me. You know, I yeah. would just like to say, I don't think I've ever heard them describe... The, I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone describe the putties as turkey sounding, and now I can't unhear it. Oh, they, they mentioned that in the show. Oh, or did in they? The in the special. Oh, Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, as kids, we all knew they sounded like turkeys. Mm. What's funny <laughs> is it, it actually did take me a moment because I'm so used to the Writer Love podcast referring to the Bugsters as turkey heads. <laughs> they do look like turkey heads. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> uh, Deep fried turkey heads. <laughs> but 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 uh, if, if do, do we have any further thoughts on Once and Always? Uh, I will just say that. For what they had to work with in that knowing what we know about the behind-the-scenes portion of why there are three rangers that clearly don't take off their helmets, mm-hmm. uh, I think they did the best they could, and I applaud the way they handled that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, just to uh, backtrack a bit, uh, the actor, the actress who played uh, Min Kwan, uh, her name is Charlie Kirsch. Mm. And... Yeah, I, I thought uh, for being, having to introduce a character so quickly, uh, I did end up like, you know, enjoying the character at the end. And it's like to the point where like I I wouldn't mind seeing her pop up somewhere somehow in a future show, you know, down the line. I don't know. I, I, I feel like, I don't know, that with the way that Cosmic Fury is kind of... Uh kind of partially original i wonder what the future of power rangers is going to be but like i I, i'm seeing this and i'm thinking i wonder if this would be like a backdoor pilot for mighty morphin the next generation or something if they feel like they can get away with doing more mmpr nostalgia i hope not I would agree with the, that. The, let's the only reason I'm let's not, just leave it at the special. Well, that, the the thing is, the only reason that I'm not necessarily for it or opposed to it is because well we have the the Boom Studios comics which is proving that it can work. <laughs> I think if they were mm-hmm. going to continue anything else with with uh, Mighty Morphin, 
I think, yeah, Boom is the way to go so far because people, as its own separate thing, kind of in but very much outside of the canon that we're used to on the television show, I think what a good mid-ground would be is that if they were to, say, turn the Boom comics into a Netflix animated series. Mm, that would be really I, cool. You know, I, I think that would be the best way to keep that that part of the franchise alive. I, I would also say... Um, as someone who is really into Transformers, uh, for a long time, IDW had a very good run with Transformers. Um, and, you know, people would always talk about, like, oh, I want to see this comic adapted into an animated movie or something. And I'm like, just just get the writers, the people who make this story really good, and have them work on another project. There you go. No worries about adaptation. Just have them write something new. See how that goes. The the note that I'm, I was kind of hoping to end on just, I, I mean, as someone who has not yet seen it, but who can appreciate what he's heard of it, I want to see more specials done that that capitalize on other teams from later seasons. I, I, like, if, if there were a chance to bring back the three core, like... Oh, okay, okay, so <laughs> I, I just realized what it was going to sound like when I said Yeah, that. I think I know to, what you're about to say, but hold if, off on that. If, if there was a way to bring back the three core members of the Dino Thunder team, and especially considering the fact that uh, Abba Ranger uh, 20th anniversary special is happening, mm-hmm. um, that would be really cool as someone who is a big fan of Dino Thunder. Cough, cough, cough. I, mm-hmm. I would say if they were going to do like this, like, just throwing this out there, if... You know, in Super Sentai, we have, you know, the 10-year-later, now the 20-year-later for Hurricaneger. I think the one that would take off the most here in the States, like a Power Rangers, like a different season's once and always, if they did a Time Force once and always, mm-hmm. that would take off. Uh, yeah, the, the, the thing I was going to say was, um, you know, space? I, I, don't, I don't know if once and always necessarily had anything like this, but I feel like the way to go is, what show has any sort of plot threads that we could potentially resolve. Yeah. Like, I mean, technically still, we have all the plot threads of, so we got to the end of the episode, and we see that Billy's doing quite well for himself, but how did he get better? Hmm. I, I would have liked to have heard that. I, I have hmm. to accept that you're not going to tell me right now in this 45-minute special, but I, I would have liked to have known. I forget if I made this joke elsewhere, but I, I thought it would be funny if he was like, well, see, there's a very simple explanation for that, and then the, oh, don't you uh, dare! And then nope, the credits nope. roll as he's talking. Nope, 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 nope. I would hate that. That is so insult much. to injury, sir. <laughs> That's what I would have done as the writer. Oh boy. Uh, so yeah, how about uh, that? Is uh, you know sort of our little mini impressions of once and always. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was that could probably the, be the a transition. The, the transition I was going to make was, what else have we missed in Tokusatsu? <laughs> <laughs> well, what we else, what else might our audience have missed? Just in case. Uh, well, we hope they didn't miss it if they're following our, you know, mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. site <laughs> itself. But uh, we did get a new Ultraman announced mm-hmm. uh, fairly recently called yeah. Ultraman Blazer. Or Blazer? Blazer? No, Blazer. Blazer? Okay. Oh, I thought this was fashion. Uh, <laughs> uh, as many know, like uh, Ultraman Decker ended a few months ago, or actually probably December, right? Or January? 
One of the three. January, I think. I think it ended in January, yeah. So yeah, uh, this will be, st- as, as always, it'll be starting in on July, July 8th. Uh, this is the new season uh, starring, uh, let me get his name, I want to get it correct, uh, Tomoya Warabino, Warabino as Gento Hiruma. Uh, people know him from Comrade Drive, where he played Hart, one of the main villains mm-hmm. of the show. Yep. Uh, uh, Hart-sama was trending on Twitter at the time. <laughs> it, I made the uh, the post there with the the Phineas and Ferb meme of it's really interesting that or if I had a nickel for every time a common writer main villain became Ultraman later I'd have two nickels which isn't a lot but it's just interesting that it happened more than once because <laughs> now we've got Blazer who can now join with Orb as being a former writer main villain and yeah. eventually became uh as the fandom refers to it, the hot dad Ultraman. Mm. And this time and he show, is... And, 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 and the show is literally a, a dad, because he is... Uh, apparently he'll be the first to have a wife and a child in an Ultraman, like as far as the protagonist goes. Mm. Which is pretty cool. Well, uh, he's also the first to be a captain of the defense team, as, as opposed to like traditionally, they would either be on the team already, but as one of just the main crew... Or they would be outside and then get recruited after they have shown some kind of bravery because they are mm. Ultraman, but nobody knows they're Ultraman. I was going to guess. I was going to guess that the trope is probably here's the new guy. Oh, yeah, they do that sometimes, but this one looks like it's going to be he's already, uh, you know, been promoted to mm. being the captain of the special. Like unit. he's already established. Nice. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we have a little bit of a blur back. I can. Just read the blur that we have set. Sure. Just do like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, set in a world where Earth is plagued by kaiju disasters, Ultraman Blazer will star Tomia Warabino as Gento Hiruma, who can transform into Ultraman Blazer to protect humanity. Hiruma is the captain of a special unit in the Global, Gladi- uh, Global Guardian Force, GGF, tasked with defending Earth from kaiju and extraterrestrial attacks. He transformed into Ultraman Blazer with the Blazer Stone, a crystal infused with the power of light and the Blazer's Brace. So, mm-hmm. uh, what I found interesting, like, I don't know if you guys have, I mean, I'm sure all of you have seen the trailer, or the, the teaser trailer for it, uh, is a very different, like, tone. Like, it's so, it feels like, it feels like a movie almost. Like, the, the fact that it's like a darker, more mysterious tone of, like, it's almost like, like a lot of the shows that we've had recently is like, especially like with Decker, where Decker is like a continuation of, uh, uh, what was the one before that? Trigger. Trigger. Smile, yeah. smile. Yeah. Uh, so uh, a lot of times they know of Ultraman in one way or another, or if they do interact with Ultraman for the first time, it's shocking, but it's like in a more like upbeat kind of way like they're surprised better but they're also very grateful that you know he's protecting them with the promos of this one like even when it's like the very very first teaser it felt like found footage uh in a way where it's like everybody's confused and they don't know what's going on and you see this giant uh humanoid uh person fighting a giant kaiju and it it feels it kind of has the vibe of like 
Godzilla 2014 or, you know, I think for me, I I think for me, like, and this is only because probably I I just rewatched it last night, but just as far as the feeling goes, uh, watching this trailer for Blazer and seeing the way they're handling it, it almost reminded me a little bit more of, you remember Cloverfield? Yes. Yeah, yeah, It felt like that. Like, a lot of the shots being from the ground up, looking up Mm. at this thing that you can't possibly explain, this giant in the sky and these monsters that came out of nowhere. It feels like a, like a blend between tonally that and like a, just a little bit of like classic X-Files feel to it, which is right up my alley. Uh, it's, it's I I think I think one of the most interesting parts to me about Blazer is that we we've we've learned that the the Ultra himself is not from the planet of light. He is from a different nebula, I believe. I believe an actual like like the, there's like the the scientific term uh, like a, like a in space a, bl- a blazer or something like that. A blazer, yeah, 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 which yeah. is an actual science term. Yeah, yeah, it's an actual. So, I think that you know just just based on what we know now, there's going to be a lot of like we don't know who this guy is, where he comes from, what his deal is. We don't know how he how he's related to the ultras that we know and love. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's 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 like we're going into uncharted territory with this guy and it has been a while in uh, as far as far as I'm aware. Like I'm I'm kind of a noob at Ultraman, I will be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh Zet was my first one and I I I watched Zet after that I watched Jeed. I've I I watched not much. Um I saw Shin Ultraman, but like from what I can tell, the approach of Blazer is a, ver- a vast departure from what they've been doing in recent years, mm-hmm. where it is something much more experimental and different. That that all being said, mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting that you bring up that it feels like a movie theatrical. Um, in our voice chat, uh, the, the VC chat for you guys, um, I, I presented a photo of the suit. The detailing on it, yes. I was looking at it, and I was trying to, I was thinking to myself, I wonder what it is about the suit that's kind of striking me. And then when you started describing it as a movie, I thought, oh, this looks like a, a movie suit. Oh, it does. Like, it's a very detailed, kind of more sci-fi looking suit, as if it was someone going, okay, Ultraman is like space alien thing, let's make a suit that looks like this. You know the suit. The suit design is actually a vast departure from what we know mm. of Ultraman designs. Like he's got all of these lines crisscrossing around him instead of these yeah. larger it's, shapes. It, it feels well. I think I, what's I, I, what's great about this design is that uh, speaking to it in terms of Ultraman designs that we've seen in this newer generation. I, I guess that's how they refer to it: the new generation since what Ginga till now. Yeah. The, the suits have a very specific look to them as the show has become more toyetic and to its benefit because more and more people have become aware of the show. And when you look at the suit, the basic design is very symmetrical, but it's the interesting thing is that the red and blue accents are are what are asymmetrical on the suit, which totally blows my mind. Like, they're not on any of the lines. It's, it's a, co- a whole completely different design in and of itself where oh, the red yeah. and blue go. Uh, you're right. I, I just noticed yeah. that. You're right. They, the red and the blue is not on the lines of the suit. It's, it feels, this is a bit of a stretch of a comparison, it feels like when rider suits get retooled and they try to paint over them to make it look different. Yeah, yeah, but except this time they're doing it the first yeah. time on purpose. It, and yeah, it, it, it 
to people who know Ultraman, we're used to very clean, symmetrical suits. Like, oh, this guy's supposed to look pristine, like a hero. But this guy, he like that immediately throws you off. Like the the colors aren't in the line. He's coloring outside the lines. That's telling us something about the series right there. Uh, but I, I was also gonna say like uh, there was a I think the as someone who's super familiar with Ultraman, it felt to me like there was a trend of we're doing sort of experimental designs. And then like for the last two shows, I looked these up just to confirm the last two shows, Trigger and Decker, almost identical to the shows that they're a sequel to. And then this one is, I think because of that, this looks even more different. I agree. It's still got all the, it's 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 like they set a standard and then immediately depart from it. It's also like, it's still got the ingredients of an Ultraman suit. It's just doing it differently. Well, yeah, like, you look at that that face, that body type, and it's, like, it's unmistakably yeah. an Ultraman. There's the, the wide eyes, the silver body, the fin down the front yeah. of the head. So you can look at him and say, oh, that's Ultraman, but, again, that, that the colors not being where you think they're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. It, it throws it off. Yeah. I'm just glad that they didn't go with the Gaia sequel. I mean, I like Gaia, but it's like... Well, see, I, I love that, uh, you know, doing things the way they've been doing, it was a, what was it, a Tiga sequel, a Dyna sequel, and you would figure the next one in line would have been Gaia, and then Blazer comes along like, combo breaker! Yeah, I, I was just more with that, like, I'm just kind of tired of yeah. uh, ultra, ultra shows, like, kind of, you know, retreading or being like a fusion of different, you know past writers i wanted it to be an original and this one seems like it's still i mean i don't really know what uh how the gimmick mm. is going to work if it's going to be a combination thing yeah. but so far it looks like it's pretty standalone uh, which would be cool what, what, what you yeah for a while there it was kind of feeling like ultraman saw common rider double and then also go and was like hey what if <laughs> and well, I mean, what if I mean, we did it again yeah. i mean like the at that when when uh ginga came out you know, decade and Go you know, were popular shows, and they were anniversary shows. Uh, so, you know, at that time, Ultraman, was, uh, you know, Subarai in general was kind of like desperate to have a hit show. What to, do we do? You know, for financial reasons. So, mm-hmm. seeing that work, I'm sure it's like you know, let's just keep doing it until you know, yeah, we're that- back on our feet. That was actually something I was going to ask before when you were saying uh, what he uses to transform. I was going to ask, are they still doing that? Where it's like a bunch of collectibles based on different Ultramen. Yes. Well, yes and no. Like, his core power isn't like, say, Jeed or Orb, where you're straight up relying on a past power. He the It's called the uh, Blazer Stone. Mm-hmm. He places that in his changer, and that in and of itself... Uh, is what's going to transform him. It's a wrist-mounted device that is very similar in function to the drive driver, specifically the the circle part where Mr. Belt's uh-huh. face would show up. It's just yeah. that on I an s- arm. I see you, heart. Oh. Yeah. But what's <laughs> cool about it is, uh, if you guys have seen the... Uh, they already have the, the demo of it up on uh, Bondi's YouTube channel... The, the way that that device is going to show legacy powers, it, it's going to not only mimic the sounds directly from those previous powers, but also the way that it's going to do all the colors 
and the on-screen effect of what that power looked like when they were transforming. So you're telling me somewhere down the line we're going to get a device that yells, Ultra Kakimazer! Oh my god. (laughs) Uh, On that note, uh, let's talk about uh, some news coming out of uh, Kamen Rider and Super Sentai. We recently got our uh, first I would say actually right here with Blazer is a good chance to talk about the localization because of the dubs oh yeah zeth has got a dub right now oh right yeah and uh subaraya has already confirmed for the first time ever with any tokusatsu property that blazer will get a simultaneous sub and dub over here in the states oh yeah so so this is actually really really big news they've been putting out a so they've been putting out a dub recently of ultraman zet um and it's you've been seeing people sound off on Twitter about just how much more accessible this makes Ultraman because now yes people, people yes. who either you, you, you know people who can't read subs for for either for being too young or for some other reason they can now watch Ultraman Z and get the experience of it without having to you know be able to read the subtitles yeah. and keep up with it and like I, like I know my my own brother does not really like reading subtitles, although he does prefer sub over dub when it comes to anime. But he, like, um, he's not, like, the slowest reader in the world, but he's, he's, sometimes he feels the need to pause and, like, catch up. And it's like, he, that would not be an issue for him and anyone else like him because if, if, if they were willing to watch the dub. So it just makes, like, there's never going to be a world where people don't, um, you know, people don't make fun of dubs for whatever reason, but you can't argue against them not being a net positive just for existing. Well, yeah, because at minimum, dubs mean accessibility. It means, just like you said, that people who wouldn't necessarily be able to or weren't as interested in watching the show now can access it. And on top of all that, it's not just that they have a dub, it's a solid dub. It's with, you know, good actors, uh people who actually care about Tokusatsu, uh, the guy playing Zet himself, Matt Shipman, I had the chance to talk with him um, maybe about a little over a year ago at one of the screenings out here, and dude loves Tokusatsu nice. so much. Uh, this is back when uh, we were waiting for Futo P.I. to come out. He was one of those people I was talking with that were chomping at the bit to see more Tokusatsu, tokusatsu properties get out there. So seeing that he got Zet makes me so happy knowing, okay, this is in the right hands. Yeah, what I've heard, what I've heard is that they've done a, they've done a better job of recreating the essence and uh, sort of the cadence of you know a show like this where you know it's kind of like anime where you gotta like you know you gotta be over the top with with certain things and I've heard that people said it's done really well with the show. That this I think it's this great. actually uh, gives me incentive to like actually return to this show because I I don't know I feel like I watched most of it but I didn't finish it. So this is a good chance for me to be like, oh, this is something I can put on while I'm doing something else. And plus yeah. today's, ep- or not today's, uh, yesterday's episode, because they upload on Saturdays and Sundays, you get two new episodes a week. Ooh. They have Sean Schimmel, Goku, as the voice of Ultraman Zero. Oh, that's wow. fun. Oh. That's, that's even fun if you know your obscure Dragon Ball trivia. 
because because there was a yeah. there was a very early dub of Dragon Ball where they tried to change a bunch of the names and Goku was known as Zero. Ha! Oh, I did not know that. I what don't. A coincidence. I, I was about to say you'd have to be a real big nerd to do that casting for that reason. <laughs> I think it just because he was popular. That's also. <laughs> uh, I, I say that, but that's also probably the other reason. Well, regardless, we so we've got the uh, Ultraman Z dub going now, and then when Blazer comes out, it's going to have a simul dub, and that Ooh. is that is unheard of, completely unheard of. Like, listen, I did not have Tokusatsu dubs returning on my 2023 bingo card, but here we are, mm-hmm. and I'm I mean, here for yeah. it. The other, yeah, I mean, they they, they had started doing it with uh, the Ultra Galaxy fights yeah. that were coming out. Oh yeah, they did, uh, yeah, the, didn't they? Yeah. Like they, 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 but uh, it's like, the, like I, I know at least with, uh, I don't remember because I've been watching. Uh, I watched Destiny Road as it came out on YouTube, which was like months after it had already, you know, came out on uh, Superia Connection, I think, or Ultraman Connection. Or stop me if I'm wrong. Did they or did they not dub Absolute Conspiracy? Hmm. They did. I think they did. They did. Yeah, yeah they, they, did. they did. Then I need to catch up on that one. Mm-hmm. I ended like, all three. This, right? did, was it all three? Because I know it's this most recent one for sure. Okay, random question. Uh, did Ultraman Z get a home media release over here? Not yet, uh, which I imagine the reason they held off on it, because we didn't know this was a thing until about a month ago, I believe that the reason they held off is because they knew this dub was coming down the pipeline. That way, when it gets to home media, they can include both the Japanese subtitles and... And the dub. That's smart. That does. That is like very smart. To, that that would definitely be in line with what we've seen out of. Um, oh shoot, I lost the name of the the company. Uh, the the but the Ultraman DVDs that, that have been coming out Mill um, Creek. from Mill Creek from Mill Creek. Yes, that would be in line with what they've been doing. So, I would believe that. Yeah. So we we we've got a lot of really cool uh, Ultraman localization stuff going. I mean, I know that Shin Ultraman also got a uh, a dub, and so they did a two day. Did you release. guys have a chance to check out the dub? No, I my my cousin the dub, went. I I made it. I made it a point to go on the dub night because Kalen had uh, the opportunity to go see the subtitles on. Uh, it was during a film festival out here, and she's like, "Oh, okay, it's it's about what you figure." And then, as a lot of people know, the uh, the subtitled version got leaked a few months before we got the official release, so people had the opportunity to check that out. But then going to see the dub, the dub, thank God, sounds so natural and okay. so uh, accessible. Like, these people sound not just like, oh, I am someone reading a script. No, like, they've got heart and character to them, and it actually made the story a lot easier to understand. Even though I understood, you know, the plot perfectly fine the first time, just hearing it in my own native language, I was like, oh, like, I, I connect to it more now. Yeah. Yeah, that was a similar thing with uh, the Shin Godzilla. Like, that movie was so dense with, uh, jar- like, you know, bureaucratic Political jargon. jargon. Yeah. yeah. So then when, you wa- when I watched it in English, it was like, okay, it's a little bit more palatable, but it still goes at, like, a mile a minute. Um, I do want to confirm. I did look it up. Uh, you can watch the full versions of the first two uh, Ultra Galaxy fights in both English and in Japanese on YouTube, mm. on the official nice. Ultraman uh, YouTube channels. And I know that they completed uh, uploading 
the pre the, the most the latest one uh uh destined crossroads both in english and japanese so nice. you can watch them all dubbed or so nice love to see it yeah uh why, why don't you uh ask me what other tokusatsu localization happened <laughs> hey mel what other tokusatsu common writer kugamanga <laughs> oh god are you guys ready for this are we oh. gonna get into this I think Josh might be the most well-equipped to talk about this. I think I might. Uh, So, uh, there was the unfortunate uh, truth that we found out that uh, Stonebot Comics had been uh, advertising for months that this release of Kamen Rider Kuga's manga over here was forthcoming. Everybody was looking real forward, you know, had real high hopes for it. I pre-ordered And then, unfortunately... (laughs) I, yeah, I, I didn't want to pre-order. Yeah. I wanted to make sure I had the in-person experience mm-hmm. of going down to my local yeah. bookstore and picking it up and showing the person at the counter, I bought this, you should read it. Sight unseen. Spoilers, I canceled my pre-order. Let's find out why. <laughs> because uh, from everything that we tried looking into, and I verified this through uh, Kaylin, who also verified this through other people looking at it, that looks to be a very bad machine translation and it's kind of garbage in places. And it was like that for the first two volumes. Mm. And, uh, and and so and it, it's it's of a quality that is not up to snuff with any other modern manga release out there on the market right now. What, what I think also is worth pointing out is that uh, I think we got confirmation of this from them. The preview that they put out was translated by someone else entirely. Yes, that yeah. is correct. Which I, I don't I don't follow manga. Is that is that normal? No, it is not. What it is Cause like it sounds like it is very highly misleading. It, because you're leading people to think it's one way in translation, but then the version that they put out was this inferior version which might have been like a first run pass at the translation and that's the version that made it into the books and unfortunately stonebot since they've been basically a bunch of us out there on the internet called them out on this like hey what's going on here they said it it did get pretty bad since then they said oh uh we have every intention of putting out a better version it took them a real long time to say that but i can say officially because i checked this yesterday as of this recording, my local bookstore has not gotten in any other further volumes of Kuga that show any improvement in that translation, and the third volume is set to drop here within the next month, so we're going to have to check on that. Mm. On top of that, the, the last tweet they had was months ago when this was first addressed with them. They haven't said a word online since. Mm. I, I, so, so this news broke back in, uh, I believe it was the end of January, early February. And oh. I believe that what we had learned about the I'm situation... I'm sorry, Titan. I've been saying that it, it's the other company, oh, Titan. Oh, right, right. This, so this was a, yeah, this was a collaboration between Stonebot and Titan. Um, but I believe the last we heard about this was that the translation that we got in the finished product was actually based on a translation first into... I, I don't think it was Spanish. I think maybe Portuguese or... I think other, it was Portuguese, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was a, there was a Portuguese release that came first. And yes. I believe that the finished translation of the English release was based on that instead of the original Japanese. But then there's also a lot of issues um, that, you know, you know, I was seeing Kaylin's thread about it, and I referenced it in my article on it. 
Um, there were instances of certain Japanese text uh, still being there when in other places they were, uh, you know, blotted out. And mm -hmm. there, there were notable places in the art where you could see very clearly where the blot, where the blotting out happened, yeah, and it wasn't that, edited very well. I was, uh, I'm not gonna drag this out. I was just gonna say I was talking to a friend about this recently, and I was having trouble finding that particular example. I couldn't remember if it was the Kukumanga I was thinking of. Oh yeah, it, it, this, this took a little a, a bit of digging. So you had to like look through replies to Kaylin's tweets. You had to look through like like quote retweets. You had to look through other things that she retweeted. Like that, that, that's how I found the whole thing, and it went down the rabbit hole. And I because I uh, showed some examples to this friend. I also have one example of the dialogue where uh, it was especially poorly translated. Um, it's a very weird panel. I don't know the context of, but it's a guy looking real screwed up, who, who says, y you are, you really are the goddess. That's the version in the tra translation that was given out in the preview. Yeah. The one that you got yeah. was, ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, you could be really at my place. It's like, what? <laughs> it's yeah, that so bad. It, it is to the point where not only is the original meaning lost, but the English that is there is not... It doesn't it's nonsensical. Meaning. It's nonsensical. It doesn't it, hold meaning. It it really does seem machine-driven, like you said, because there are some other things where it's like a character will say it is, and it seems like what's happening there is someone is translating desu very literally. Oh, yes, yeah. there's a lot of examples of mm -hmm. that uh, throughout. It's littered throughout both, both volumes. So I'm going to check, because uh, I guess... I accidentally was the the, the person here, being Kalen, mm -hmm. going out and checking this. I will go out and physically check when that third volume is supposed to drop. And if they haven't done anything to try and rectify the situation, uh, you better believe I'm going to say something about mm. it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If it is as bad, by the way, uh, just um, <clears throat> be sure to pass me some of that stuff. I'll do a follow-up article. Ooh. Absolutely. Uh, two things I wanted to also point out, uh, because I don't I don't think it's been brought up. When they gave their statement on it, I believe they said something to the effect of, like, we assure you that the people that worked on translating this are trusted professionals or something. Yeah, yeah, they, they kind of tried to sweep it under the rug he, at first. And it's like... Well, yeah, it's, it seemed like they were trying to shift the blame. I wonder... I wonder who it is that is considered the trusted professional because the fact that it's machine-driven and right now the, the internet is very obsessed with AI-based automation, I wonder if those trusted people are people who've gotten a lot of money doing automated things. Well, it's also that the people doing the translation, they might have done the initial you know, blanket AI translation, but were they still working on it at all after that? Uh Brody being the other Sonic one in here, it, it specifically reminded me of the fact that the infamous Sonic the Hedgehog 2006, uh, one of the things that is known about how bad it is, is that when they made the playable demo, they had someone separate from the entire game do the QC on it, and they didn't do the same QC on the full game. It's, it's very unfortunate that that kind of comparison can be made towards this manga. Yeah. You, you know, Mal, I didn't expect you to come from my throat today with a Sonic 06 QC reference, but okay. Well, I, <laughs> or, I, I, or, or, or QA, ref, QA. Um, yeah, whichever. 
Sonic 06 no, had it right the first and time. QA. QC. Mm. Or QC. So, so, Sonic oh, 06 and QC is not a topic that makes me happy. Ah. Uh. Then let's move on from that. <laughs> yep. Well, uh, well on, I, the, on the positive side of things, mm-hmm. we at least have Shin Kamen Rider coming over Ooh. here in just a few weeks. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Uh, May 31st. Uh, is when it's slated to come mm. out. Okay. I, it it kind of sucks that it's just a one day thing in the middle of the week kind of a thing. That really does. Uh, so, I was so ready to throw down so much money for multiple screenings. Me too. Oh yeah. But I, uh, yeah, me, I got a ticket. Day off to go see it. <laughs> I, I got I got my ticket already. I uh, my roommate's gonna come with me, even though he's not into Tokusatsu. He's gonna check it out with me. <laughs> Oh, yeah, is, I got a group. I got a group going with me too. Can, can I? This go? is a. I'm, I'm trying to organize as many people as I can out here in the LA area uh, to come out and bring their belts out to get a picture. Because nice. I want yeah. people to see that we are out here and we're happy, even, even though it's kind of table scraps based on what based on what we could be getting. We still want to try and show sh- support that hey, we want this thing. We're happy. And we're ready to support more. Please give us more yeah. screenings or more things like this. Uh, please be, exactly. <laughs> not to put too fine of a point on it, please be more like Subaraya. Give yeah. us a dub, not for me, but for everyone else who needs it. Yeah. Yes, I, that, I would love a dub. You said, uh, what, what, what day is the screening? May thirty first. May thirty first. That's a Wednesday. So, so this is so, uh, this if, this podcast is coming out like in the middle of May, right? Yes. Yeah, that's what we're planning. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, currently, my theater so, is half full. Well, I, I was also just going to say, since this is coming out before the screening, uh, if you haven't already heard this, please avoid the Shin Kamen Rider Twitter because it posts a lot of spoilers. And the Shin Kamen Rider TikTok. That Basically, too. avoid Shin Kamen Rider on social media until you yeah. see it. Yeah. Pretty much. But the one thing I will say, based off what I do know, and I won't say how much I know here on the recording. It is to your benefit that you go and check out the manga omnibus of the original Common Writer manga. That will help you with your understanding of the kind of story that Anno is telling vastly. Mm. Ah, okay, yeah. It, it absolutely benefits you to check that out. Like, on top of it already just being a really good manga, it absolutely helps with your understanding of the story to check out that manga. Would you okay. say that for those who have not seen the original Common Rider 1971, that it is worth watching the episodes that have the villains in the movie? Yes, I would say that. Okay, so that that is something that I do believe um, people were talking about with regards to Shin Ultraman. I believe there was an article released possibly by, uh, you know, uh, Ultraman Galaxy about it. Uh, you know, which episodes to watch. No, no, you know what well, yeah, it was? Even it was Taka. In... Oh. It was Taka from, um, Kota- uh, from, from... Kotetsu? Yeah. Kotetsu Toys. Kotetsu, Kotetsu Toys, thank you. Well, also over there in Japan, uh, I believe they were having uh, streaming up for a while select episodes that Ano had said, hey, if you guys are really looking forward to this movie, there are specific episodes that you guys need to watch mm. so that you can really appreciate the movie. And a lot of them overlap with... You know, the episodes where those villains show up. Nice. Yes. And for, for those of you listening who have not yet seen those episodes or the original 1971 Rider in general, uh, you can watch it on Tubi. You can watch it on Pluto TV via Tokushatsu. Mm-hmm. For and, free. Yeah, for completely free. So download those apps, get online, watch them. There is no reason not to. 
And if you want to check out the manga, you can you can get it. Uh, I believe it's Seven Seas. Who who? Yes, Seven it? Seas. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful. If you don't have a copy, it's the thickness of a phone book, but it's so beautifully put together. It is a chunky one. It's it's chunky, <laughs> but it's worth it. it it's yeah. it's weighted down by justice. There's nothing quite like it's having weighed, a chunky book about Common Rider. It is is weighted down by the burden. Exactly. That's why I was, I was trying to yes. think of the right word for yes. that. Yeah. The burden the, of it justice. Is, <laughs> the, the weight of the burden of justice resides within those pages. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. But yeah, uh, speaking of other, I mean, oh. localizations oh. that we've, I mean, I was just going to mention some of the releases that we've had Ooh. recently. Uh, oh, yeah. Whether there, been some, you know, there have been some big ones. Like Blu-ray releases. Yeah, that, so the, there there have been a lot of moves in this space in the last year. So, like, even if we just go back to last summer uh, at Oticon, when it was announced that Discotech was launching their Tokusatsu-specific branding, Toku Time. Yep. And was the first uh, was the first one for that uh, brand? Was it uh, was it Kamen Rider Black? It was Kamen Rider Black. Uh, oh, with okay. a with with a essay by uh, by Mike Dent, our very own. Oh, well, t- alumni, t- Mike. Dent. Yeah, yeah, our, our very own Tokenet alumni. We got, we got a lot of uh, Tokenet alumni doing some really cool things. Actually, lately. we forgot to mention uh, there when we were talking about the Zet dub. Uh, Mike is in that as the voice of the computer. Oh, I was, I was tr- nice. I thought I, th- I was thinking about that. Like, didn't he announce something? Fourth gate open. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. Something like that. He's making moves over there, man. Yeah, he's making moves. So not only do we have Black, then on top of that, at, during their last live stream, they announced Black RX, which I have been waiting for since 1995 yeah. when I learned what Mast Rider was. And they, uh, they, they were sure that all... it's 100% furbis free. Mike, Mike will also be <laughs> to, doing to an which I out loud one. said. To which I out loud said when they said it was Furbus free, you cowards. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Mike will also be doing an essay for that one, I believe, right? Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, notes for that, yeah. Okay, so... Um, yeah. I mean, he also worked on the uh, Space Sheriff Gavon uh, set, I believe. Yes, oh yeah, no, no, yes, that's yeah. right. Space Sheriff Gavon was actually the first one announced for Toku Time. Okay, yeah. yeah. So it was Space so Sheriff got... Gavon, then Kamen Rider Black, and then RX. RX, yeah. Yeah. So, aside from those, which I, I have uh, Gavon and Black. I'm, I'm definitely I'm waiting for RX as well because I actually haven't seen Black or Black RX. Mm-hmm. Well, so, be, well, before oh, we move on, I, once I get them, I want to just marathon the whole thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. But all, but also, um, speak just speaking of Common Rider Black, there because there have been a lot of things happening with Common Rider Black in the re, in the past year. Common mm-hmm. Rider Black Sun was uh, also a Common Rider Amazons type, uh, you know, modern darker take on Common Rider Black, and they had yeah. you know they, they released CSM belts for those that have like motors in them that move the parts. It's really really cool, and so th- I believe. Is that accessible somewhere? Yeah, on Amazon Prime. On Amazon Prime, yeah. Of course it is. Mm. It was it was iffy like the first day or two until they finally put the listing up. And then, yeah, if you go search on Amazon Prime right now, you can go watch Common Rider Black Sun. Uh, they're like 45-minute to 50-minute episodes, 10 episodes altogether. Uh, you can marathon it. It's It's got a lot to say. 
for sure. Some of the sickest fights I've seen in the last several years. That last fight uh, between Shadow Moon and Black Sun. Sickest fights also in the sense that uh, a lot of the talk was, oh my goodness, all the score. <laughs> yeah, it, I to me, visually, Black Sun is what they were trying to do with Amazons, but they didn't have the budget. And now with Black Sun, it's like, okay, now we can actually... You know, climb the highest mountain, sing the kind of songs we want to sing, show the kind of blood yeah. we want to show. This walk so that we could run. Basically, yeah. yes. Fantastic. Run while screaming and ripping someone's arm off. Were there other uh, uh, Were there other localizations that happened in the last year that we should touch on? Futopii. Aha! Yes, Futopii. So Futopii, Common Rider has finally. Uh, it's it's one of the the big four to make the jump to anime. We we've got the Ultraman anime on Netflix, and also I believe an animated movie on the way. Obviously, there yes. were Godzilla anime movies already, all, also on Netflix, mm-hmm. and now Common Rider with Futopi, and hopefully season two is going to happen. Uh, I personally loved Futopi to death. Just seeing Common Rider double doing all of the Common Rider double things in animation hand-drawn 2D animation for the most part. Absolutely fantastic. Visually stunning. Really cool to just see the characters you know and love back again. Yeah. And of course, it was a partnership with Funimation, and so you got a uh, simultaneous release subbed uh, on Crunchyroll. Funimation having been eaten up by Crunchyroll, which is actually my, my one thing about that, my complaint is that as far as promotion goes, I feel like the show's good, but Crunchyroll really dropped the ball as far as promoting it. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. especially when you look at how they've been promoting things like Suzume by Makoto Shinkai. Like, they could have done more. <laughs> I mean, granted, Suzume's, Suzume was going to be a bigger advertising push, but you know what I mean. Well, I, it's just the thing of, like, uh, a lot of people, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, that people, again, were hoping to not only hear a dub but actually take part in the dub uh were there to be one because again like so many other things it's accessibility it's getting it in front of people that wouldn't necessarily know what this thing was to begin with i remember when i covered the story when they showed the first two episodes at anime expo that room primarily was composed of people who already knew what common writer double was but at that point you're just preaching to the choir you know these are the people who you know are already going to watch. The idea is, can you expand that audience to people who weren't already aware of what the show was? And I think well, one of the things that would have majorly helped with that would have been an English dub. Absolutely. Uh, I, I also would have said, Where, where's Double? <laughs> like, where's the original show? <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. that was the other major thing, is that, you know, we had all these different companies. We were looking at Shout Factory. We were looking at Discotech. Uh, Media Blasters, I think, too, we were looking at, like, any one of you guys, Crunchyroll 2, this is the absolute prime time for people to look at this 12-episode anime and be like, hmm, I wonder if there was any other way of watching more media out there with these particular Hmm. characters. Oh, I don't know, maybe, like, a 50-episode series and several movies. God, if only there was a place I could watch that. You know what would also be... The closest we got was... uh, Toei putting the episodes up on Toei Tokusatsu World, like the first two episodes of Double. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, any other episodes they did load, which they did, Japanese 
Toei Tokusatsu channel on YouTube loaded two episodes a week leading up to the debut of Futo P.I., but they were all region locked. Also, what would have been kind of cool is if they did like, here's the English dub of Double as well as Futo P.I., so we have a shared dub cast. Ah, if only. It's all I wanted. Look at Ultraman, Toei! (laughs) And unfortunately, like, I didn't even have to say it. Most people on social media drew that conclusion, or came to that conclusion and drew that comparison very quickly. When you're looking at the way that Toei handles bringing certain things over here, versus the way Tsuburaya handles bringing certain things over here, it is very much night and day. I, I, I always, yeah. I hate to be the I told you so person, but anytime uh, people bring up, why why isn't this happening? What's wrong with uh, this company? Why aren't they doing better? I always bring it back to, I've, I've been into Dragon Ball long enough to know that Toei is really bad to work with. I hear all the stories about Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball is possibly yeah. one of the biggest Toei properties over here in the West, and it was still so difficult to get good quality Dragon Ball, like DVDs. And when they gave it to you, they took they made it limited, so then mm. you can't find the, it. The, the way that uh, the, the one of the first podcasts I listened to was the Konzenshu podcast. They, they're very good. Mm. Uh, and the way that they always described it is when Dragon Ball would get DVD releases here, it would be like a copy of a copy of the Masters. Mm. Yeah. And, it, and I've even got like, um, what is it? The original Dragon Ball on the blue box sets. And uh, the Japanese audio is so low quality compared to the English dub. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I have those too. But... Well, a lot of it, too, is Toy wanting to retain control over who has the best copy of a given thing. Exactly. And most Japanese companies are like that. I, I believe that was something that Discotech ran into when it came to them creating their uh, their Blu-ray set for Project Aiko. that a lot of Japanese people were placing pre-orders because the version that was being put out by Discotech is of a better quality and far cheaper than what they were having available there in Japan. Basically, and so basically my the parent companies did not like that. Basically, my Occam's razor with any of these discussions is Toei's really difficult to work with. <laughs> oh yeah, for Pretty sure. Much. Uh, yeah, that's true. A- any but, any uh, other any other localizations we can touch on? Uh, uh, I will say uh, just to, just to oh. uh, put a little bit of a spotlight on Sentai. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sentai has had a, a bit of a hiatus when it comes to DVD releases, but recently. Uh, Shout Factory has kind of sort of picked it back up. Mm. Uh, they released uh, Five Man and Deck Ranger. Nice. Uh, Ob- Ranger. Like, oh. oh, yeah, as well, yeah. So those three have come out since last year, uh, which I'm hoping means that we're gonna we're gonna hopefully get more because yeah. I just I just want Gekki Ranger. I want Gekki I know. Ranger. Like we're I was about away. to say, Yaz, as we're soon like as Gekki Ranger gets announced, we're gonna go feral. Man, and dude, we're just you, are you up for another review i'm up for another oh review. of course <laughs> of course we'll bring we will bring nicole back to do another review long, we will bring her out of retirement long, specifically for that episode long before we had all this writer content being imported my thing was i want to see what happens when they get to shin Kenger and the decade crossover oh yeah that would that'll be interesting there's also um oh shoot i i, I lost my thought oh I lost my thought. Well, um, I do have one more localization thing. Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. In addition to the Kamen Rider Kuga manga, uh, 
Titan also has what is very confusing to describe to people, the Kamen Rider Zero One comic miniseries that is not right. made by anyone in Japan. Right. So there is an American comic book that is based on Kamen Rider Zero One. It is a story starring those characters, and it is like like I literally picked up the latest release of it the last time I went to the comic book store. Um, it's an American comic book about Kamen Rider Zero One. That is the best way to describe it. It's uh, it, I'm not gonna talk too negatively about it since I haven't even read it. But the thing that I think is noteworthy is that the writer for it is uh Brandon Easton, I think. And uh, I, as the Transformers fan, I completely missed this. But apparently, a lot of Transformers fans saw his name and was like, "Oh no, not that guy." Yeah, uh, apparently, most of that was founded. Um, what I've been hearing is that the characters do not act like themselves. Mm. the the thing that uh, one of our own kevin uh had mentioned how he felt like the dialogue was very long-winded very wordy Mm. and it's funny because when i uh did a little bit of look at what this writer was known for otherwise in terms of transformers uh his main thing that he was known for was this transformers comic which was like what if optimus prime didn't die in the 1986 movie and the main complaint i saw for that was this, this is very long-winded, wordy dialogue. So it's like, all these years later, he's still got the same problem. Yeah. And also, I it, think there was a little it, bit It's of, very telling... Or, sorry, go ahead. I was, I was say, it, it also seemed like there was a similar thing of the way these characters were written seems a little bit off. I, I think it says a lot that when this comic dropped, th- there is a little bit, but not a major amount of cross-pollination between... Uh, Transformers fans and Common Rider fans. I think it was very telling that when people started to have issues or complaints with the comic, Transformers fans like parachuted in and were like, "It's okay. We're here to warn you guys about who this guy is and what we know he's done before." <laughs> he was kind of, um, oh ki- kind of inaccurately credited as the guy who wrote uh, Transformers: War for Cybertron, which was like a Netflix thing, but apparently he didn't really write too much of that. Like, he only wrote, like, a handful of episodes. Huh. But, uh, yeah. That... I, I can say the, the most polite thing I can say about that comic is uh, critics are calling it in color. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. <laughs> okay. Dang. Uh, um, good art. I got... Sorry, I was, gonna, I was just going to, like, are we, are we moving on from Zero mm. One? Uh, I, I just uh, want to give a small shout out oh. to... Oh, he was one of those guys that was defending the bad translation of the Kuga manga. Yeah, the, I didn't, I didn't catch much of what happened, other than he initially chalked it up to fans being elitist, and then said, "Oh, sorry, I just read up on what the actual situation was. I'm sorry." It just goes to show it is possible to have an incorrect opinion. Mm. <laughs> um, oh boy. On the on the topic of localization, I've got one more thing I wanted to bring up personally. Um, so our I. our very our very own Kevin has uh, been participating in the project. It's it's an indie tokusatsu project called Orc, and he pr- was working on subtitles for it in English, Ooh. so that way international audiences could enjoy it. Nice. And and it he, is on YouTube. It is on YouTube. It is it is. Uh, I, I have yet to set aside the time to watch it, but I have heard nothing but good things about it, and I know how hard Kevin's been working on it, and so yeah. 
I hope that you guys out there will check it out. It is just O-R-K. Um, it is... I, I, I mean, I, it is a passion project, and Kevin has been pouring a lot of his own heart into making sure that you guys have a good, proper translation to be able to enjoy it. So I hope you guys do enjoy it. I, I, I don't know if this is something we should... Uh make into a uh, into content but we should do a group watch sometime oh yeah i'm down yeah i mean i've, I've seen it mm-hmm. I, i'd be more than willing to watch it again because yeah. i thought it, i thought it was a really like interesting concept and uh cool. i thought it was really well done especially for like an indie mm. tokusatsu like project cool suits I thought it was well done and i love the suits mm-hmm. they're very creative uh, uh, it's a uh, very experimental you would say kind of like well Oh, oh. <laughs> I got one more thing. Oh, one more thing. Mm. Was that from uh, Jackie Chan? That from? Jackie Chan Adventures. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, there is a, I think it's a uh, in how I don't know. It's a small. Uh, it's a company called SRS Cinema, who does a lot of like. Uh, it looks like a lot of like obscure, uh, movies releases and stuff like that, and they've done a few like kaiju movies. Ooh. over the years and they've done a few uh, I, I know a couple that came out uh this year and i think one last year uh one is called space monster wagmawai which is a south korean uh kaiju movie from like the 60s oh. uh, i haven't watched it yet but i want to i've heard good things about it and there was another one that came out this year called super legend god hikoza uh which came out this year uh so and they have a few others i, I what was the one that i saw it was called uh Howl of the Howl in the Fog, I believe it was called. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, yes. Which I, I, uh, anybody who's interested in that, in that, in kaiju movies, watch that man. It is a love letter. It is, and it's also all uh, puppetry. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of like that. Uh, what was that show? Uh, Thunder something. Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds. Not Thunderbirds. Oh, oh, that too. There was a, there was a, a a a I think it was a Chinese one done with like in with, with, with mm. Are you thinking of Thunderbolt Fantasy? Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that, that that's the one. Yeah, so it's, it feels kind of like that where it has like puppet uh, puppetry for like human characters as well, but like uh, they got like these huge puppets for like the the, the giant monster in the fog or whatever and. The behind-the-scenes stuff is just as good as seeing the actual movie because they show you just how much went into it. Uh, you should check that out. But yeah, SRS Cinema has been doing a lot of, uh, you know, obscure kaiju movies. So I think if you're interested in that, check them out. Nice. Also, stay tuned because Shin Ultraman is potentially going to be getting a localized home release. Uh we reported no, on... it is. It is. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, has there been any word about, like, when that's coming or what it's going to look like? That, I believe, is in June. Uh, let me let me see if I can pull it up here real quick. Okay, yeah. Oh. The, la- the last that I personally had seen about it was that the rights to the home release had been... Or, or the, the, the rights to the localization, at least, I think, had been uh, passed along to a, com- a small company. And I guess now we have word about when you will be able to... Uh, by Shin uh, Ultraman in the near future. Yeah, it's set to be released on July 11th. Fantastic. 
So this summer, you guys, get out there and buy Shin Ultraman. Yeah, you can pre-order it right now. July 10th? Isn't it? I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, you can pre-order it right now, either a DVD or Blu-ray over on Amazon. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Was it 2005? Listen, I before I had a okay. before I had a PS5, I was unable to watch Blu-rays. I know, I know. Hey, everybody has a different situation. I'm just, I'm just messing around. <laughs> I know, I know. All right, before we move on to our next segment, uh, is there anything else we want to talk about? I've just got a few other things to add in, just in case you missed it. So uh-huh. in the last, so in the last year, we've had a few other uh, big headlines. Uh, for those following the girls' heroines uh, franchise, uh, Kirameki, following Kirameki Powers, uh, Rizsa, top of artists, was the final series in the girls' heroine franchise, unfortunately. So that series is over. Uh, as well as... Uh, so, so, so that's over. But on the other hand, we have, as a continuation of Power Rangers uh, Dino Fury, we have Power Rangers Cosmic Fury officially confirmed. We have the suits announced for it. We mentioned earlier, but it's going to be using the mecha footage from Q-Ranger, but completely original suits that will still use the, well, not the exact Dino Fury helmets, but designs that are very, very close to the Dino Fury Mm -hmm. helmets. And Mm -hmm. there are opinions about that, but I won't get into it right now. That's for another day. Right. Big, bigger news than that. Uh, We have Tom Constantine, Tokenet alumni, and also actor Michael Kay, uh, starring in Kamen Rider Geats as of late. They are, we, we talked about this very briefly earlier, but they are two very... Uh, I wouldn't say... Would you guys say that they're central characters? Maybe not central. No. They're they're like side characters, but they are recurring characters. Yeah. And yeah. it is probably... They're supporting, they're re- yeah. they're supporting characters. Uh, support, supporting characters. In, in the but limited it, exposure that I've had, they seem like gag characters, one could say. But regardless, uh, well, it's unfortunate that. that that's pretty close. Mm. But regardless, in some regards, regardless, this is probably the biggest role that foreigners have had in a main series common Rider show, probably ever. And yeah. so it's really cool that we've been getting to talk to Tom a lot about his experiences there. And hopefully, you guys are watching Keats and supporting that. But yeah. the last he- headline I wanted to run by you guys. Uh, an update on the Gridman franchise because the movie Gridman Universe, a crossover between uh, Gridman and SSSS.Dinazenon, hit theaters in Japan. There's no word currently on localization for that, but of course Gridman has a uh, cool new form that has been largely promoted on social media, and that is the latest on that franchise. And so that pretty much catches you guys up on the entire last year since the podcast went on hiatus. Dang. <laughs> well, thank you for that ra- that quick round uh, wrap up. Clock over. Uh, oh boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so our next topic we want to talk about is uh, Super Sentai and uh, the experimentation that they've been going through in the last several years. Mm. Uh, I think it's no mistake. Uh, it's no secret that you know, since uh, kind of since Go Busters in a way, they've been experimenting with certain things, whether it's like suit designs or mech battles mm-hmm. or how you know episodes are shot, mm-hmm. how fighting is shot. They've been doing a lot of experimentation. Yeah. Uh, well, I think if we're going to go back that far, that we... if we're going to go back that far, I mean, it's, it's kind of like they've always been experimenting every once in a while. 
But I mean, I would, that was I the would first say time specifically, like, probably the last three seasons, going back as far as I'd say, uh, Kira Major. But I mean, Kira I, Major? I mean, uh, what I was, I mean, I, I would, if we we're gonna go like that, I would say uh, Lupin Ranger, Lupin versus Q. Path Ranger, really. This is uh, or Q Ranger. I mean, that's what that, that's what I mean. Is like they, they've been slowly doing like different things where like, I mean, Go Buses had like a different look entirely. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't know, have the green screen transformations. Yeah, uh, Q Ranger had like uh, insane number of uh, Rangers, like nine in the beginning, and then it expanded even more I, to know, twelve. Lupot, Lup, yeah, Lupot had like a versus team, a versus you know storyline. Yeah, uh, uh, the most one of the most drastic ones is probably uh, uh, Zen Kaiser, mm-hmm. where like. Uh, only one of the team members is actually a human. Everybody else is a droid. I I notice I notice no one talked about Zhuoger. That's okay. Well, okay. So, so <laughs> well, here, that didn't. If you would like, that was to still know, pretty traditional. Yeah, so here's how. Yeah. When I pitched this topic for the podcast today, here's what I had in mind. The mm-hmm. last five or six <laughs> years, in particular, have had a lot of, uh, it, it, like, just more experimentation than Sentai normally goes through. Like, yeah. sure, Go Busters yeah. was experimental, and Tokyuger was, but you had some uh, more middle-of-the-road uh, seasons in there as far as expectations goes. You know, you had um, Nininger, you had Zhuoger, but then, you know, come the 41st season, you had Q-Ranger, and then you had Lupin uh, Ranger versus Pot Ranger, and... You know, you had um, Kira Major thrown in there, which was um, just very traditional Sentai, but done really, but, really well. And then immediately well, after Kira that... Major, Kira Major uh, diverts from things because that was the first season in the longest time where there was no gimmick. You know, like, no gimmick thing true. that you had to collect. That is, that is a fair point. I wouldn't necessarily call that experimentation in the same way, though. I mean, I would say... It, it would kind of be because, I mean, they've been doing collectible stuff since, like, Gokaiju, really? Well, sure. Yes. I, no, actually, when, when, I, Hager, when I think so. of experimentation in the uh, frame of Super Sentai, I'm thinking of it in terms of what is something crazy, something weird, something wacky that Sentai has never done before. They've done it; they're doing it in a completely new way. And so, immediately following Kira Major, you have Zenkaiju, which, as you were saying, uh, you only had one face actor who was a, a one of the sentai members actually well, technically two if you're talking to kaiser but yeah. as far as the core team goes you had one human and then the rest were all mecha which was very very different and made for a very different look for sentai mm-hmm. and yet at the same time it was a celebration of sentai history and then immediately after that you had don brothers which had two characters who were fully cgi almost mm-hmm. um at least when they transformed, yeah. At, yeah One yeah. character in his thirties. Yeah, yeah, and that, yeah. and, uh, you know, now, now, um, so, King, so, King that, Oger. That, yeah, yeah, King King Oger. Um, I mean, the, King Oger is also very, very different. Like, yeah. on the one hand, it doesn't have crazy non-human characters uh, necessarily, but like, it, you you've got like, you know, this whole. The armor of it, of it, yeah. and the 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 first time Sentai's doing a well, bug motif, which is almost seen as kind of encroaching on Rider territory, but they're doing yeah. it in, in their own Sentai way. It's yeah. there's a lot. The, the last three seasons, especially, have been so yeah. out there for Sentai, and that's kind of what I wanted to touch on today. 
Mm-hmm. Well, the thing, well, well, I, I mean, I wouldn't say the armor stuff is super like uh, out there because I mean, Q Q Ranger has like sort of like shield, like chest armor. Yeah. For their suits. Okay, fair point. Uh, I, I think that uh, well, Q Ranger. I, it was the whole thing that each suit, no two suits were the same. They all had their yeah. own individual takes to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all had like very unique uh, 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 silhouettes. I as you said. Per, per, well, not just silhouettes, just the design and texture. True. Like yeah. they weren't all cut the same. Yeah, that, there yeah. is there is um, kind of an armored look to King Ogre, but for me, that the oh, for the, sure, for the sure. insect motif is the one that stood out because. I don't think it's ever been officially stated, but the fandom, uh, the English-speaking side of the fandom has always had this kind of feeling of, oh, they're never going to do an insect motif. That's a writer thing. Or they're never going to make a... Well, yeah, it's, never, it's an unspoken rule. The other one was, oh, they're not going to make a dinosaur writer. That's like a, that's like a ranger thing. <laughs> uh, oh, 2023 is you know, a fun time, isn't it? Yeah, for me, uh, when I thought about this, when I heard about this topic, the thing that stood out to me was more about production value mm. uh, and and in filming techniques. That uh, is also very with notable. Dawn Brothers, yeah, with Dawn Brothers, they started to experiment with you know an LED you know screen for the mech battles. Mm. Um, a lot, especially in the beginning. I know there was like a fully CG uh, mech, you know. Yeah. Combination, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, fully CG like fight scenes yeah. in, in the mech, you know, when they go to mech mode or whatever. Uh, and then you know, with uh, uh, I forget what the six name, six ranger name is in Don Brothers, Drug. Oh, Don Don Goku. Yeah, when his mech uh, appeared, it was clearly a, a person in a suit, but like it was in a space where. They were using a CG background as well, with some elements, with some practical elements, but mostly a CG background. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it lot of the like way that, that filming was done for the Batman, where they're not using uh, practical sets; it's all projection. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, yeah. isn't that isn't that kind of what what uh, Disney does with the volume? Is that a similar thing or with with with, with, uh, with what? What Disney's doing with the, vo- the their uh, set, the volume studio that they use for like. The Mandalorian and whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah, it, uh, it is the same technology. Yes, yes. Um, so I believe that what Sentai is using is specifically a screen from Sony mm-hmm. that sort of, uh-huh. you know, it, it puts up this image of the set behind where the actors are, and it makes it so that they don't have to necessarily create a whole physical set to be set in that location, and it also cuts out some of the green screening necessary. I and think, so, they, but I, is it is it the first is time it like I think, doing, sorry, uh, I just wanted to ask: like, is it yeah. doing the thing that they do with the Mandalorian, where like with the Mandalorian, like when they shoot the shot, like it is the set is created in like a video game engine. Oh, so then no, like when no. the camera moves, the background moves with it, so it looks more natural. Right? No, right. no, but that's not what they're doing. That, that is that's a, not what they're doing. Okay. Yeah, that's something a little different, and that that's also yeah. kind of the technology that Disney used for the Lion King remake. Um, where everything right. was like done in, you know, Unreal Engine. Mm. This is yeah. more just straight up. They are putting the set onto a screen, and yeah, it's more of a projection screen. of a pre-rendered background. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's that. And they uh, they did was... something like that for Two Kaiser's uh, ship in, oh. uh, in in uh, and... 
Zenkaiger, and I believe that is the first time they did it for Sentai. Maybe they did it before then, but that was the first uh, no, time they, that we heard about it. They did it with the 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 when uh, what's it, when uh, Kaito you know discovers this whole thing, he goes into a space where it is all full CG. Mm-hmm. So he is in a CG set, right? Or space. Okay, well, well. So okay, like well, my I, point being that uh, Zenkaiger was the first time that they really utilized that technology that we're and, aware of. And, right, and I, right, right, I, right. I think even though this is not Sentai, uh, I think it is also worth bringing up um, in the timeline of how these productions work, Kamen Rider Saber, they came out saying that we started doing CG with Unreal Engine. Right. Yes. Right, right, right. I remember, yeah. And, uh, at the very beginning of the series, yeah, yes. Yeah. So yeah. That, yeah, all yeah, that yeah. to say, that technology is also being applied to Sentai, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, they're probably using the same pipeline for the CGI mm-hmm. and whatnot. I I'm actually very impressed with the fact that they kept up with the CGI for uh, Dome Brothers. Mm-hmm. I had very low expectations when that when that series was revealed. I, I, I think um, reasonably so mm. because I've only seen like the I, I can't judge the whole show. I've only seen like the first few episodes uh, like I do with a lot of shows. Um, but what I saw Kiji brother man his wings keep clipping into his arms in those early episodes. Oof. Yeah. I, I, the way yeah. I took it was like, like, like so many other people yeah I had very low expectations for Dawn Brothers even though it looked very out there and weird and I will be the first to say straight up, I became a convert. It may be my favorite Sentai mm. now. Yeah, I I, I, uh, I have not heard people talking mad trash about the show. But I will mm. say, like, in the spirit of what makes Tokusatsu Tokusatsu, a lot of it, too, isn't that, you know, we're looking for perfection. Sometimes it's fun to be able to see the seams. And so, like it was in the old days where you can see wires or you can see people hanging around in the background, that's kind of the same way I looked at Dolan Brothers of like, yeah, so this is the first time they're using this technology. So, yeah, it's fine if Kiji Brothers' arm is clipping through his wings. I'm still enjoying the hell out of this character and the way they're telling this story. And so I'm not really – I'm not there to poke holes in it. I'm there to enjoy the show. And they're telling an incredibly entertaining show despite the – the new medium that they're trying to tell the story through. It really just does go to show that think, as long as you're writing a good story and portraying the characters, you know, earnestly, you're, you know, playing it straight. That's really what matters at the end of the day is, is it a quality story? And is it like, is it all a cohesive whole? Um, now I, I do, I will say though, I, I am looking forward to the day that CGI becomes accessible enough that, we can have a really good-looking CGI character in Sentai appear mm. every week. I, I can't. Uh, maybe we should probably put a uh, a review of Dawn Brothers in the schedule at some point. I think that'd be an interesting conversation because I'm ready to talk about Dawn Brothers. I haven't finished the show yet. I haven't finished the show. But I feel like I am on the other side of you guys <laughs> as I, far as Dawn Brothers goes. Oh, I. Think- I I feel like if, we, if we do an episode like, on Dome Brothers, I, I say we make it a Zenkaiger Dome Brothers special. That'll be interesting because I, I feel completely opposite between the two shows. I love yeah, Zenkaiger, yeah. but Dome Brothers, like... See, that, and that's the thing with the me. CG, I understand whether... that Zenkaiger has its moments, but I, I don't know. I just, me personally, I had a hard time with Zenkaiger keeping my attention, whereas Dome Brothers, it had me from the jump. 
am the opposite. I mean, there was I definitely had a dip in Gen Kaiser with when Two Kaiser came in because I don't like that character. Yeah. But, Same. Uh, it everything else around that was I felt was still fun. Whereas there's so many distracting elements in Dawn Brothers, whether it's like whether it's the CG characters, which is like uh, you can get kind of get used to it, or the mech battles that for whatever reason take me out of it, unless it's like the uh, Don Goku, Dora Goku, yeah, his mech battles I, I tend to enjoy more than the other ones. Or the fact that I just, it, it didn't feel cohesive to me. Like as far as the story, I'm like halfway through the show, and I feel like there's just so many things that just are up in the air, and I don't feel like I connect with any of the characters. I mean, hopefully, when I finish the show, maybe I'll feel differently and we can do a review. Uh, but I feel like the filming elements of the show distracted me as well, which is something that I don't. If if you're gonna do some experimental, that's cool. But if it's distracting me, then it ta- if it takes me out of, you know, the mindset that usually Tokusatsu, like, is, is so easy to get into for me. Yeah. Like, I can, be- I can believe, you know, these, like, you know, miniature sets, and these, like, dudes in, like, you know, giant rubber suits. I can believe it because of how it's shot and, it's, and how it's, like, put together. It feels cohesive and it feels like it, it helps you buy into the whole world. Whereas with, and even when, you know, in the 2000s where Sentai was like experimenting with CGI, that took a while to get used to with the CGI mechs and transformations and stuff like that, but you kind of got used to it. Something about this last two seasons, uh, especially with uh, King Oger, the CGI sets, um, the way that they're not super seamless, they didn't even have to be super seamless, but it just... It just takes me out of it. I just see it's like, oh, that is someone in front of a green screen. So it makes me... I, I understand that it's the grand... Like, it has a bigger scale for this story, so it needs to have that. But for whatever reason, it just... it take, It's taken me longer to get into King Oja than most Sentai. Wow. And I feel like that was the same thing that kind of happened with Dawn Brothers. Uh, but I started to get into it a little bit quicker than I am with King Oja. It's... I don't know. It's distracting, man. Well, I, ha- I have yet I, I have yet to start King Oger, but I am I just looking at it from a distance. I am super excited to get into it. Um, I do really want to also finish Zenkaiger and watch through Dawn Brothers. I want to be able to have that podcast episode. If you guys out there want to see it, tweet at the Tokunet. Yeah, let us know. Let us know if you want to see that because I I think it's commendable that Toei is experimenting with different things. But I think it's partly just the distraction of it and partly for me being an old, I guess, crotchety dude who just like, who prefers practical stuff. I guess I'm just kind of like, oh, I wish we had more of a practical look to some of these shows. But I understand the future is, you know, you got to do so, try different things. So, yeah, I get it. I, I was very nervous about Zenkaiger before I started it. I'm, I'm partway into Zenkaiger and... I, I they 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 won me over pretty early on and we'll see and I don't know yeah. if like they're gonna lose me a little bit as I go on I mean clearly I stopped mm-hmm. watching for whatever reason that was but regardless I am really happy to see the experimentation I I was really really excited about the Lupin Ranger versus Pat Ranger stuff and it was for me it was a shame that the story was more uh, episodic than I thought it was going to be because I feel like that mm-hmm. um 
hurt the potential of that series. But like doing things like Q Ranger as well. See, uh, I just I love seeing the experimental stuff because it's such a different flavor. And as long as they stick the landing, it it could make for some of the most impactful uh, moments in Sentai history. Like with Gokaiger and the Gokai changes, the first time that I saw that, that's what got me into Tokusatsu. I also uh, like, I at least like that we're at a point now where Sentai feels like it can just go wild. Because like uh, I, I mentioned Geoja mm-hmm. before, uh, it was a show that stood out to me because it was like most of the cast isn't even human, but then they were like, and here's the human forms that we're going to show you most of the time. It's like you cowards. Yeah, most people <laughs> thought they were going to do that with Zenkaiger, and they did in like a de- in, in like a one-off special, but they stuck uh, with the suits for the most part. Exactly. That's the thing that's different about it. Like I wish Geoja had the ability to do that, but the thing that's cool is that they eventually were just like. Oh, let's make an entire show that's weird like this, and that was uh, Q Ranger, where it's like they were like, "What if it was Star Wars?" And and then they kind basically, of, yeah. I mean, with with Q Ranger, that was shortly after the Force Awakens came out, and Star Wars had gotten back off the ground, mm-hmm. and so I think that's kind of probably where that came from. But it really did kind of set the tone for the next several years of Sentai. So, and we're still seeing the results of that now. So. And it's then, been really cool to see. And then, like... I think that's that's the one thing that I would use to try and uh, give my recommendation of Dawn Brothers is that it is the perfect example to me, story-wise, of we've made decisions and we're going to stick to them. Mm. Despite how weird and off-putting they might seem, just stick with it. Mm. There'll, there'll be something here. Toshiki Inoue. <laughs> yeah, Inoue... <laughs> I there were certain things that I'm like Inoue. I'm surprised you got me on this, and there were other things that I was like, "How did I not? How did I forget this was an Inoue show? That's, I should have known what, better." For, for those I, for, yeah. for, for, for those who who may not be familiar, what else has Inoue done? Common Rider Five, oh Kiva, mm-hmm. uh, Jetman, 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 and Common uh, Rider Five are probably two of the most noteworthy. Mm-hmm. As far as my my understanding goes, uh, Fize has such a massive following behind it. Like people love Fize, and Jetman is seen largely as one of the greatest Tokusatsu shows in history. Yeah. Well, people love Fize, but a lot of what get like the people arrive on is how many plot holes and, oh, and well. tropes there are. In that there movie. there are similar threads of such things in Dawn Brothers. In that there are certain things that are like, oh my god, why aren't you just talking? Mm. But the thing I have to give it up to, the, the thing that saves it, is that cast just did such an amazing job of convincing me, no, you don't get it, we're all that stupid. And <laughs> they ended up becoming so surprisingly lovable, and despite their failings, it's a good example of a show that I've never really seen this done in Sentai before, where it's showing that dichotomy of, your good guy isn't always necessarily good, and your bad guys aren't always necessarily bad. Interesting. I, I can't think of another I mean, the another closest... Sentai where it was shown on such a wide scale. The close... Maybe you'll see that with one character, but not with like the entirety of the bad guys, or specifically one 
one of the good guys. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, mm. I mean, I think the closest that I've seen I get is Gokaiger with how the the pirates are very much pirates. They are selfish and looking out for themselves and their own interests first, and they are learning about what it means to be heroes over the course of the show. Um, but that's de- it's definitely different from really driving home that message of even the bad guys aren't necessarily bad. Also, I, I'm I'm the I'm the in a way hater, but like I didn't even intend to, to be this way uh, with Dom Brothers. When I saw people saying how much they love the show, I genuinely forgot that in a way wrote it. It's like, oh wait, he's writing this. People like it. Yeah, I feel like when you watch it, you you end up forgetting mm. it until he until uh, until he uh, reminds you. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He re- once he reminds you, oh right, this is an in a way show for sure. All right. Um, Decade versus you. Uh, this this is probably a good spot to uh, to to kind yeah. of put a pin in so the Sentai discussion. But, it's turning mm. into a bit of a Dome Brothers yeah. review. Oh. Yeah, let's uh, yeah, let's we'll, we'll pin that for a future episode. Yeah, uh, for now. Yeah. Well, we are. I, I have a mm-hmm. I have a transition. Okay. As someone who's like the the writer fan who who's watch all the shows, it dawned on me recently. No pun intended. Uh, oh God. That. I've seen less than half of the Reiwa series so far, and that's very sad. I've seen... All of Zero One, uh, uh, I guess most of Saber, and then like all, not even halfway into Revice. I guess I guess that means yeah, that I'm halfway into the Reiwa series. I've seen Zero One, I've seen Saber, mm-hmm. both to completion. Um, I just haven't gotten around to... Re- so... Our uh, Tokunet's own Ryan uh, has been war- saying, I, I, th- I think it was, it was Ryan who yeah. really hates on Revice. Um, Revice is mid. Oh, he's not the only one. He's not the only okay. one. So I haven't seen Revice yet, but I really like the gimmick of it. Mm-hmm. And I want to, and I want to see it. So I want to, I want to watch that. But of course yeah. I'm going to have to watch Geats first because it's it, got Tom in it. And I have to see that. Yeah. Uh, just, Overall, for me, it's not because I'm not interested. It's because I have ADHD. Just putting it out there. <laughs> uh, I've have seen I've seen uh, Zero One and I've seen Saber. Mm-hmm. Uh, Revice, I just I couldn't get into it just because of everything going uh, involved around mm-hmm. it with yeah. uh, certain actors and stuff. So I just I refused to watch mm-hmm. it. Uh, yep. So I skipped that season. Revice did have uh, a lot of. I, I'm in the same boat where I I watched all of Zero One. I got about halfway through Saber. And I still fully intend to finish it for the same reasons that you just said, yes, that's why I didn't watch Revice. And yeah. I'm up to date on Geats. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I am, uh, I think I'm a month, maybe a month behind on Geats. Mm. I think so maybe four or five episodes behind. Doing better than me. So he, yeah. here's, um, so here, here's, here's my, uh, my observation about Reiwa Common Rider so far. Zero one was a pretty strong start. That kind of lost its way a bit in the middle, and then also had to contend with uh, COVID pushing things to the wayside. Um, but it's—I stu- I personally felt like it stuck the landing, and I really enjoyed Zero One. I think Zero One is awesome, and it was a very good start to the Raywat era, in my opinion. I just think it was—I just think it was a really bold move for Zero One that it had absolutely no V cinemas after the series was over. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, Oh boy! That's that's uh that's the stance we're taking, <laughs> isn't it? 
Okay. That's my stance. Yeah. That is my stance. Uh, we, may, we, have, we may have to do an episode of that. I kind of like Hibiki yeah. is the only one well, with 30 episodes. Hmm. Well, well, regardless. Oh, <laughs> that's a whole other stance in and that's of itself. Jeez. I think that was a throwback to something Josh said in a previous episode. <laughs> I, uh, th- I think that was more in line with a different series I was commenting on. Uh, but uh, I could... With, with Saber, I think... Yeah. Saber was trying to do the thing that I think... Not to make too hard of the comparison, that Saber tripped and fell in some regards so that King Oger could oh, run. Interesting. Uh, in terms of being able to tell a story in a fantasy setting. Like, everything... Yeah. I, I see a lot of ideas they wanted to do uh, visually with Saber that they wish they had the technology for or the budget for. King Oger seems to be like, it's okay, I got you, fam. And they're doing it in the way, like, oh, I, I think this is the kind of world building you were trying it, to do it, mm-hmm. and so it's not necessarily saber's fault that they just didn't have the technology to do it or the budget technology to do it. and like situation they were the first like full show to be you know produced during the yeah. pandemic so that is that like, too that's, a lot of restrictions yeah that, yeah. that, that there, was, there uh, was a lot of use of 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 cgi sequences and uh cgi backgrounds Probably be largely because of the pandemic. Yeah, there's uh, uh, that was. Oh yeah, and they, they also had to like do like the, like limited amount of like crew, limited amount of people on screen at the same time. Yeah, that that's like that, that was, was the thing I was going to bring up. Is they, that there were certain shots. I, I'm specifically thinking of the hideout that the bad guys had. There are certain shots where you can kind of it's it's almost like you're seeing a green screen around the person. Oh no, we talked about that on a previous episode. Uh, oh right, you guys did a review for certain. Yeah. yeah, we did. Yeah, there were certain episodes where you could tell they weren't in the same yeah. room. Yeah, yeah. And so we have definitely talked talked about Saber plenty in the past. Uh, but I think I think that the best way to sum up Saber is that it because of its restrictions and because of things that had happened near the end of Zero One, it seemed like they were trying to really just get everyone in there as fast as they could they pushed they 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 didn't give everything the room to breathe that it needed and Mm -hmm. it it kind of resulted in a story that uh, really did kind of trip over itself at times Mm. i i have a lot of problems with saber's story and just how um incohesive it is um uh you you guys have seen it all i have only seen i half of it may at least um it sounds like they didn't take advantage of the cgi to have more motorcycle scenes oh no definitely that, not. that was uh that was the thing that was yeah. speculated and hoped for early on when we saw the, that one episode early on because it's like oh that looks like really good cgi that means they don't have to rely on filming locations for motorcycle scenes we have i mean we've seen plenty of times in the past as far back as even common rider ghost where they do a lot of cool cgi stuff and special effect and or visual effects uh early on and oh, then they okay. just kind of drop it later on I, because I, as as far as we're aware they run out of budget for I, it. I was gonna and so say, that's why i was worried about dawn brothers I, that, I was gonna say i i always associate that with double even as far back as double because it was like the, one of the first episodes is the t-rex dopont fight <laughs> Ah, yeah, that's true. Um, so I, it sounds like none of us have seen. Well, I, I, well I, I've seen up to when the female writer gets introduced, and uh, I, I think I saw the episode. I've seen the first episode. And I think I've seen, I've seen the clip. Wait, was that was that Common Rider Jean? <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, I think I've seen the it's... clip of that, and I think I've seen the episode, but I didn't, I didn't understand. Anything I've on. seen with because I did watch what is it, uh, the girls remix uh... special, and that was fine. I was happy with that. I, I will say, well, that didn't have like any I'll, Revi's, I'll put right? it that way. Sakura as a character is not the problem I have mm. with Revi's. Uh I, I will say, um, as someone who has watched a decent amount of it, um, Vice is like the poor man's Juron. That that's that's my take. Yikes! That's an understatement. But he but understand, and I think it's pretty obvious to see he was conceived as the poor man's Momotaros. Yeah. They they really yeah. wanted to push him. Um, unfortunately, uh, I I personally like. Ignoring the fact that the, the, the actor himself is problematic, I'm not ignoring that. But uh, just for the sake of reviewing the show itself, um, I was able to withstand him in most episodes that I've seen. He was—he's kind of goofy, but and possibly a little bit too goofy at times. But other times he was okay. <laughs> I, I viewed him as the the Common Rider franchise's own. Uh, Poochie, if you know that Simpsons <laughs> reference. I, I, I really do feel like Juron is a good example of that because um, uh, Juron, I, I want to say Juron was like a self-aware version of what they're doing with Vice is a, another way to look at it. But see, that's the thing. Like, I was cool with Juron despite anything else. Like, if, even if we weren't talking about things we already know about right. behind the scenes and actors, Juron I was perfectly yeah, fine yeah, with. Uh, because I, I know that uh, one of the first things Juron does, he, he's basically the hello, fellow youth kind of character. And that's just kind of, an, yeah, it's he, an he intentional does, thing. Yeah, he does it in an endearing way. Yeah. But see that, yeah, like that's done in an endearing way where it's like, oh, okay, he means well. Whereas even at minimum, Vice was too much of a try Exactly, that's why I say poor man Juron. I think that if they had a, frankly, obviously, different voice actor needed. Uh, but I think that Giron's voice actor would have been a good choice. Or Kiva's, uh, Kivat. Like. Uh, uh, Tomokazu Seki. Yeah. Just like uh, someone with uh, not as deep of a voice. That's that's my main thing with his performance. Is does? His voice is too mm, deep does. and he doesn't, I don't think he does acting very well. Wait, wait his, is his voice deeper than Kivat? Uh, no. Oh, it's kind of down here. No. Yeah, kind of. Well, I, I think in terms of the timber of the voice, Kivat had a very rich, full voice. You know, that Kivat Ikuze, you know, very deep. Almost, if you were trying to translate that into, say, English, you could say they were trying to go for that deep, you know, universal monsters, oh, Transylvania. Yeah, yeah, oh, the, suck your yeah. blood. Uh, Kivat Ikuze, you know, that sort of thing. Whereas Vice, Vice compared to any other anime you've ever seen, he sounds like the stupid yeah, character. He, he's going for a voice. Because he sounds like this, and he's always his voice is all over the but, place. Oh boy. His, you know, that sort of thing. Just, he sounds like the most annoying. He, he also... Yeah. The best, way to, best yeah. way to describe his voice is he does a laugh that's like... But it, I it... I mean, maybe it's me, but it's like... There's a thing among actors where it's like sometimes what they have to do before, you know, you start rolling the camera is you have a little tick that you do to try and get yeah. into character and get into a character voice. <clears throat> and so for him, it was that <clears throat> laugh. But in most cases, you do that before they say action. Ah. And in his case, he does it after <laughs> they say action. We'll fix it in post. Uh, you know, he... so, so between. No, they didn't. So, so between Saber and, and Revice, it's kind of like. You know, with, with Saber, they had difficulty balancing all the different elements that they wanted to fit in, and and with 
making it all fit together properly. Mm-hmm. With Revice, it's more like just the, the execution of the things that they had right in front of them kind of fell on their face. Is, the, is that accurate? I would, I would agree. I would agree I, to that. I guess. I, I, I didn't have a problem. Like, it took me a while to get into Saber, but once I got into yeah. it, like, and once I got into it, I was I ended up enjoying yeah. it. Seems like, like a lot of people felt. That oh yeah, for sure. Like the I, don't, I don't. I do want to finish the... Saber, if only for the reason that anybody I've talked to about it says that the uh, the the spinoff movie, the trio yeah, of Deep Sin, was amazing. Yeah. That's, okay. That's, I, I, I'll have to watch that. Genuinely, it, genuinely. Yeah, Mike. Mike. Mike talks about the praises of it. Like, he's great. Genuinely, between this and the Zero One Summer movie, it's actually kind of unusual to hear some of you uh, praising them because I'm like, oh, this doesn't seem like something you're normally into. <laughs> that, to me, that's it. The summer movies? Yeah, the, the V cinemas and the summer movies. It's like, oh, that's that's actually surprising that it's something that's vibing with y'all. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because... Like, I, I, I get like that, I get movies that. Used to, summer movies used to be... Well, for one, summer movies used to be like the only like other supplemental mm-hmm. content for Ryder outside of like the net movies. Uh, what, it, what was the the net movie? Even before that, it was like it was like that, and then like the uh, hyper battle, hyper battle videos and stuff like that. Like, like that's all we got. That's all we used to get. Uh, so they were hit or miss, but they were like felt more like event stuff. But now it's like there's so much content between the show. And the movies, and the crossover movies, and then the V cinema novels, and the uh-huh. net. Yeah, there's like so much content for one show. It's hard to keep track sometimes. And then I think that also kind of contributes to the quality of those projects sometimes. Uh-huh. And so, like for me, like I haven't like the the zero one movie was a surprise for me because until then, it's like I haven't really liked the Comrade movie that much mm-hmm. in a while. Uh, and from what I hear, like, this V Cinema is, like, fantastic, which is, like, that's also shocking to me. Like you said, it's, 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 as far as, like, the movies go, like, movies have not been, in my opinion, super great in a while. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Uh, I can I can see how a lot of them might feel tacked on, like, obligatory. Like, oh, we gotta make sure we do the usual movie, too. I mean, that's always been the case. It just feels like... I don't know. I, I haven't been able to refresh my memory. Connect to... Saber didn't get a nope. summer movie, nope. right? COVID. Oh, right. Because no, they, okay. they, they had to push that to winter alongside whatever Sentai had. Oh, yeah. The Sentai crossover. Right. Mm. So, and that's how we got Superhero Sentai. Right. Which, right, right. in and of itself, wasn't so bad. I, I was actually pretty cool with Superhero Sentai. Listen. But I just don't like that it was the only time that we saw Zero One and Saber interact. Okay, but listen. Listen. Superhero Sentai. Made a Kiba Ranger cannon. Yeah. How about yep. that? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm here for that. I'm here for it too. Listen, I, I I'm trying to remember. I, I I ordered. I'm pretty sure I put in the order for the for the Akiba Ranger Ranger keys. But anyway, that aside, um, what what but that would bring us to Geats? Yeah, right? yeah. How are we feeling about Geats so far? So I feel like I'm Geats. Geats, as far as, you know, other series are concerned, I think it's uh, a victim of the same thing that happens in a lot of other series where they had a core idea that they pitched to both Toei and Bandai, the writers did, and they did it for as long as they could until they realized, oh crap, 
we don't actually know how to execute this past the first 12 episodes. And then you can see mm. very clearly in the show they had to retool. Because oh. you, you shifted away from what they say of, oh, this is like a Battle Royale game like Apex Fortnite. Legends or Fortnite. And then eventually you get to episode 12 and it's like, uh, we were just kidding about that. Now it's a reality show. Yikes. Um, Wait, which for, for, for them, the I think, was the smartest movie? move they could do. Do you, do you think they oh, stuck yeah. the landing so far on that shift? They they have been getting by by the skin of their teeth, oh. is what I'd say. It doesn't fail. Oh. It, it, it hasn't failed yet. Uh, it's just very interesting that in order to keep this thing from falling in, they're having to juggle a lot of plates. Hmm. And you can see when they drop a plate here or there, quite notably like this past weekend, hint, hint, hmm. wink, wink, uh, in terms of we're having to balance all these different characters and all these different concepts of what we're trying to show with, okay, well, where do our monsters come from? Where do the sponsors come from? How do our writers fit into this in their day-to-day lives? And it's interesting, and that's what's saving it. I I haven't entirely given myself over to calling it good yet because I'm waiting for the whole thing to finish. But at the very least, it's keeping my interest. Yeah, I think because I've been starred for, like, a comrade show for over a year now, it's been like, oh, this is actually competent, so I'm, I'm digging it. Uh, I, I will say there is there is some, like, the, I, you can definitely tell the shifts, and there are some decisions in the story that are like, huh? Uh-huh. How? What? Really? Um, but then they go, once they go through it a little, like, for, like, an episode or so, it's like, oh, okay. I guess this makes sense, and the characters I still enjoy quite a bit, so they're carrying me through this. And then it eventually kind of works itself into making sense for me, I guess. Yeah, so I, I would agree. It's, so it's, I think, but I think it's still like, I would say it's still a good show. It hasn't dropped the ball in a way that makes you think, oh, this is a chore. Uh, literally, the only reason why I'm behind is just like life stuff. That's fair. Understandable. Otherwise, like it's yeah. It's, that's understandable. Otherwise, like I would because I was going on like I was watching it week to week, like everybody else just. Uh, but yeah, I, I've still been enjoying it. I love the I like the core cast. Um, the the stuff that they've put in that they, they the elements that they've entered into the story in the last like month or so, which I'm still behind on. Uh, I'm watching it now, just like, huh. Whoa! That they're really throwing that into this equation. Let's see how this. Go, let's see how our characters react I, to that, and how that affects their dynamic, which I still find interesting. So I, I agree with uh, with Josh on the on how it's being implemented, but I still think it's. I still say it's good so far. I, I, so, yeah, I was gonna say uh, the thing that I'm interested in is because. Uh, for people who know my, my taste in the shows uh, or my taste in the toy collecting, I enjoy having a lot of writers. So this very premise is very exciting to me. I, I'm I'm yeah. making sure my expectations are a certain level because I do not see a lot of writer suits or a lot of helmets, I should say. Like mm. I'm aware <sighs> that I'm helmets. aware that there are not a lot of actual physical suits so uh i'm keeping that in mind but just the the fact that it is a premise where it's like there are theoretically dozens and dozens of characters i think is really interesting and it's not something that we've seen since Mm -hmm. 
Hibiki. What? Yeah, which is part of my uh, issue that I've taken with the show just this past weekend for everything that happened. But aside from that, I think what's interesting is things like when they decide to move away from the core idea of, okay, our main writers have a very specific look to them, but then aside from them, our producers for the show have a very distinct look to them, and then the sponsors have a very distinct look to them. I appreciate that uh, design language, that each of those three sets of characters don't look like the... Like, you're never going to confuse one of the sponsors for one of the producers. Like, they look very different. Yeah. And also, just personal note, that Glare 2 suit is just just chef's kiss. I love the Glare 2 suit. So, or not not Glare Gazer. 2. Um, Gazer. Gazer, yes. Gazer. I love that suit so much. I'm, I'm going to be very mad with Bondi if they don't release that as a Soto. Yeah, that's one of those ones. You know, I, think, I think Glare has been released. I don't, we don't know anything about Gazer yet. You know. All they have to do yeah. is repaint it. All they have to do is repaint See, now it. you've reminded me that the Vision Driver exists, and I just want it so bad because it's literally just a panel of LEDs on your belt. Yeah. Oh my god, it's beautiful. Well, to speak to that just for two seconds, I, I appreciate that within the past year or so with the Vision Driver, with what we've seen with the Moon Driver and the Sunrise Driver there in Black Sun, those are all implementations of what we saw during that The Henshin event of the future belts uh, that they were hoping to implement. Oh yeah. This is all that technology. It's, yeah, also wow. worth noting. Right. I, 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 I also just want to very briefly give a, a shout out to the Demons Driver from uh, Revice. That is a very good belt. Oh, God. The de- I, there's not a lot that I like out of Revice except for a couple of designs. Uh, Distream, I love that helmet. And the Demons Driver. Got some... Uh, just, just th- oh. that that belt design feels like something that should have been in X Aid because it's basically just some pixel art animations. Quite quite honestly, design wise, I wish that demons had been the main character. I, I'm I'm interested to see what they do with this character when I actually like watch more revise because I I thought it was very interesting that they made a very villain coded character as a hero. <laughs> And I don't know... It, it I, is that, very yeah, I know that, that is a very common writer thing to do. Mm. But also just like, it makes me go like, who's the real bad guy? I need to catch up. Well, well, well. Um, I, so... Geats. Geats. Yes, as, as far as... Um, as far as... Far as uh, Ge- uh, the, the Reiwa series in general goes, mm-hmm. or the Reiwa series, the Reiwa era shows... Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one the one thing that I've really been waiting for in Common Rider that I really want to see, as, in terms of an overarching story, is I feel like zero the out of the ones that I, the two that I've seen zero one felt like they had a direction that they wanted it to go from the beginning, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. mostly managed to keep it in that direction, mm-hmm. um, and I appreciate that. I don't think that any Common Rider show I've seen. Uh, in recent years since Gaim. Uh, I think Gaim is the only one that really had such a super clear vision for what the story was. Mm. And I would really love to see... Mm. So, 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 like, so, some, of, yeah. some of the weaknesses... I mean, that's... Some of the weaknesses... That sounds like build erasure to me, but... Well, okay, listen, listen. <laughs> yeah, build, build... Say, that's what I was going to say. Okay. Like build, 
Build is like right. So there I I did also build knew where it was going. I did also want to bring yeah. up build. Um, build to me just it has a really good story and it definitely did know where it was going. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like it was as cohesive as Gaim. Um, it, it it didn't. I disagree. Can I, can listen, I disagree. listen. Okay. As, as the... I know. I know you guys love build. I love build. I'm not trying to take build down here. I'm just trying to. I just think that Gaim did it better in terms of cohesive story, and I would really like to see that hap- like like that kind of goal come through on a uh, Reiwa era common rider story. Like even like even if it doesn't hit the highs of Gaim's story for me personally, I as long as I can get the sense that they know where they want the story to go, because for, what I'm gathering from this discussion is that. Saber had ideas in the beginning and kind of lost its way in the middle. And Revice, uh, well, I, I guess I didn't really hear much about Revice's story in this discussion, but hearing about Geats, um, apparently it had ran into a similar problem where they needed to change direction. And I like it when stories feel like a cohesive whole. So I would like to see them try to get back to that with the next series. Well, I would think that hopefully by now, because we're already going into summer, we're more than halfway done with this season. I would only hope, much like what you're saying, that they're having these conversations ahead of time, like, hey, maybe we should give some thought to, if we're going to go ahead and have another season come up, let's have a writer who has a writer, like the person writing the story, uh, who has an idea of where they want the entire story to go and not just enough to get us through the first quarter of toy sales. Absolutely. Urobuchi, you're coming back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, uh, would be, that, that would be great. <laughs> I mean, if he can if he can write it, I'm not going to complain. Like, so long as a writer can tell a story that makes me care about power-ups despite having to make a toy sale yes. to me, which is the thing I liked about... Uh, certain seasons like Build or like Gaim where when he when uh, Kota gets Kachidoki, there's a reason for it. He needs that power. When yeah. when Sento had to overcome the problems with dealing with Greece and he needed the power of the hazard trigger, there's a story <sighs> reason for that. And here oh, in man. Geats, We've gotten a little bit close to that with the introduction introduction of Boost Mark Two, where I felt like there was a reason for that. Like, okay, he needs this equipment right now, you know. And so, right. when when Geats does get it right, then I'm invested. Then I want to see what's going on with these characters. But I feel like I, I don't like a series where they make it too obvious to me. Like, I know what's going on. You know, I've been a fan for almost 20 years now. I know that this is a toy commercial. Your job as the writer of the show, lie to me. Lie to me and help me lie to myself that this isn't a toy commercial. And if you can tell that story right, then we're both going to be on the same page. And guess what? You'll probably get my money too. So hopefully they'll be able to stick the landing here. We're like what? 30-something. No. I, I, I was also going to say uh, that the yeah. thing that... Um, Y'all were uh, hinting at helmets related uh, in the latest episode. That was episode 33, I think, right? 33, 33, yeah. If you know, you know. (laughs) Anyway, uh, 
uh, also as the uh, the representative of Fruit Rider News at Tumblr.com. Uh, I, I, I can also uh, <laughs> confirm what Brody was saying about like the writing process, because I remember one of the things that was said very early on is that uh, Urobuchi wanted to think about where the characters would end up by the end and worked his way backwards. So it is... Which is the smartest way to do that. It's also like confirmation that, yeah, they were thinking about that. I don't know if they necessarily thought about it for every single character, but yeah. Didn't he write every episode of Gun? Uh, he, a, a, an overwhelming majority, I think, right? Yeah, at least 40, right? There's one yeah. writer who was known as, to me, is known as the one who writes spinoffs. Like the Kikider crossover and all? Yeah, pretty pretty much that, and also like V Cinemas, those sort of things. There's like one writer who's basically credited it for doing a lot of that stuff. Well, it, it's gotcha. the Kakaider episode and the Tokyuger episodes. Mm-hmm. V Cinemas, I think, I don't know if it was a summer movie, but regardless, uh, we're talking yeah. about Geats. A soccer movie. So, so overall, you guys, how are you guys feeling about the Rewa era? What do you like? What do you dislike? What? Where do you want to see it go from here? Uh, I will say one thing that um, definitely starts with the Rewa era for me is that the design aesthetics are very different in a way that's kind of hard for me to describe other than it feels different for a writer. Like, th- I would there are... say that's 50-50. Uh, it, it's it's still familiar, but also different. It's yeah, like I, I mean, I'm, the, my my okay. my very specific way of judging this is that when I mm-hmm. share things with uh with friends who aren't really normally following the Tokusatsu stuff, um, they might still be like, oh, I like this uh this this fight scene, or I like this design, or oh, that design looks really goofy. Um, those same people would see a lot of the Reiwa designs and be like, that is really cool. It's like a very different reaction from what they would normally do with uh, Heisei Phase 2 reactions. Mm-hmm. I, I think in terms yeah. of those designs, we they have been kind of, over the years, very gradually getting more and more experimental with designs to where it's not, ne- yeah. it, it's not necessarily like... It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily fit into the exact design mold of Kamen Rider from throughout history. Uh, they're, ex- they're kind of expanding the mold. I I, uh, I remember there was discussions around when Zero One came out mm-hmm. um, about how how much of a reset it was in a way, mm-hmm. as far as like the, the design philosophy of like the suits, like the like even the helmets were different. It was like a faceplate and then like you know nothing around it. Kind of uh-huh. it was like very mm-hmm. stripped. It was kind of stripped down from like where we were getting with like uh, with uh, with Geo before. Mm-hmm. Where it was like Geo, like was like uh, for me as someone who didn't really watch it, it felt like kind of a mishmash of stuff. Like it kind of felt chaotic in a, in a bit of a way, whereas it felt like Zero One was a little bit more of a pared down version. And then as like we went with uh, Saber, it we it had a very clear design aesthetic as far as like who these characters were, what their roles were. Uh, very distinct, I feel like. Um, maybe it's my bias <laughs> against Revice, but Revice felt a little bit more, especially with the combinations, it felt more well, like Geo again. Aside from kind of. 
well, that that goes part and parcel with Revice being an anniversary series that was only yeah. a re, that was only an anniversary series in that first set of powers. Beyond that, the problem I have visually with Revice is that it has no design language. Right. Because you look at, just like we're saying here, you know, Geats, they all share a similar undersuit, or the same undersuit, mm-hmm. really. Zero One, like you just said, there's a design language. Saber, there's a clear design language. Zero yeah. One, or not Zero One, uh, Revice just kind of looks like they were throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck. Because yeah. it's like, in every series, there's a reason behind why the writer looks the way they do. Like, Mm-hmm. Zero one, oh, we based you look like a grasshopper because you're using a grasshopper thing, but also this is a throwback to original common writer. All right, I get that. Saber, yeah. oh, this is the the flaming sword, so you look like a flaming sword, and you also look like a book because there's a library on your belt. All right, fine. Geats, oh, you're crafty like a fox, so you look like a fox. There is no discernible reason why Revi looks like a dinosaur. There's, oh, there's zero reason other than the fact that dinosaurs track well with children. The, the, the closest thing to it, um, I don't know if they said this in the show, but the character George, who developed the gear, uh, uh-huh. on, on the Toei blog, they would have this accompanying text where he would talk about the form that debuted that episode, and he specifically said, oh, all these vice stamps are based on my favorite animals, and my number one favorite is the T-Rex. I think I, mean, I think there was a vague mention in the show where he's like, "Oh, these are my favorite vice stamps of the one that I made." Okay, well that's still not a good reason. That's a yeah, it, yeah, it's that's, just that's a, terrible because like it's a funny reason. That's a, it's, it's yeah. a cop out, is what it is. Hmm. It's a well, cop out, yeah. You shouldn't have to go to a blog to figure out yes why it's exactly also that also designed that way. Yeah. Also, uh, I felt like like I think part of it too was that again with the design language. I didn't like the implementation of the color scheme initially, the pink and the off blue. But when it got to Jack Revice and the suit's dark gray with the blue eyes, that I was down with. I like that suit. I don't think I've seen that guy look that up. Yeah, when when Vice takes over Icky's body and he's in control, and it's the the gray suit. It's it's, a, it's basically just the the base uh, suit. I I prefer like that color scheme a, a lot better. Uh, people their version of hazard. Uh, yeah, uh, it's their hazard. Yeah, it, it's okay. people had made the comparison before that Revice as a duo kind of feels like Venom, and then this one was like, oh, this is the Venom form. Yes. Mm, okay. And then, but then it's like there's also a character that people are like, oh, this is the Carnage. <laughs> yeah, but I think too, uh, if there is something that's been consistent throughout uh, the Reiwa era, is that they'll have. I'll refer to it this way. There's your base suit. There's your power-up suit, There, which is usually your berserk suit. Then there's your solution suit, your super suit, and then your final form. Mm-hmm. And the, the power-up suit for the last four seasons has been pretty badass. And then the solution suit looks like crap and is introduced too quickly. Wait, wait. So in Zero One, what was the problem suit and what was the solution suit? Uh, so zero one, the uh, the suit was Rising Hopper, and then sh- Shining Assault Hopper gets introduced, and it's like, well, now it's junked up. It's supposed to solve. Oh, he doesn't have enough power offensively to take on Hodobi, 
this is a. This or I'm is, sorry, taking on Jin. Well, so Shining and, Hopper quickly followed by Shining Assault Hopper. See, that's that's the one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the problem. It's like it's maybe an episode or two before they introduce the next one, mm-hmm. so it completely invalidates the the form in front of it. Uh, same thing with like Saber, uh, Elemental Dragon. Love that suit, but uh, the upgraded form with the red attached to it now it looks junky. Yeah. Then same thing in Revice. You've got uh, what is it? The the all blue suit, and uh, then they make the volcano version after that. And it's rest, just like, yeah. why did you add all this? Okay, yeah. See, and it's like, why did you add all this extra see, stuff? See, on I there? thought the problem suit you were talking about was like. Uh, more in terms of story, like, oh, this is the... Well, that too. The story-wise is like, oh, it's draining your energy, or you don't have control. Okay. Yeah, the, the problem Because in Zero One, Metal Cluster Hopper was the problem suit at first, in, in terms of story. In that re- story-wise, yes, that is correct. Berserk form, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then he just kind of gets the sword that makes it better. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But like in terms of the power ups being invalidated within two episodes, it's the it's the two previous forms. Yeah, I, I, that is kind of a consistent through line in Rewa so far. I would agree. I mean, uh, I, even not even just in the fact that power ups are invalidated, but like there's just so many items that are constantly thrown at the viewer because they have so many toys, so many belts, yeah. so many belts. <clears throat> I, I think th- that's because the focus shifts away from is the idea quantity over quality. Yeah, we have a ton of stuff we want kids to buy, but are you trying to take the steps to make them want to buy it? Yeah. yeah. Aside from just is it light? Is, is it going to light up? Is it shiny? Is it making a lot of noise? Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So over overall, um, we're feeling like Rewa's kind of a mixed bag so far, and they have an opportunity now, before the next season comes out, to kind of figure out how to make a more solid direction for themselves. The last thing I would say is that with the success of Shin Kamen Rider, I would hope that Toei is taking that into account, and that story-wise, I'm not really saying anything about design, because they'll, they'll pick whatever design they think is going to sell, but story-wise... If they see people are responding to the darker take on the story, the more grounded take on the story that Shin Kamen Rider is presenting, I hope that affects whatever the next series is. That would be really cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't need it to be darker, but yeah, more grounded would be uh, a nice. I, I think um, based on what little I've actually looked into in terms of what why they pick certain things, it also seems like the theme is. Well, we did this kind of theme this year. We should do this kind of theme next year. So it might be like opposites. It, that that might be yeah, that's that that's might it. be the more likely thing that they'll do. But I, I would be interested to see something different. So um, this this episode will hopefully be coming out in the middle of May. You got like mm-hmm. we got like a couple months before we'll probably start hearing about the new series. But um, yeah, yeah. I guess we'll I guess we'll see what happens and see how this plays out. But that pretty much catches us up yeah, on you know. what's been going on in the realm of Tokusatsu in the last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is a, a nice little catch up episode. Yeah, uh, come back and see us next uh, next month, uh, where we'll actually as of yet we have no topic, but mm-hmm. we'll figure it out. Maybe we'll maybe we'll binge watch uh, Don Brothers and Zenkaiser and do like all. I'm I, I'm up for it. Let let us know online if there are any <laughs> topics that you would like to see us dive into in depth. Uh, 
hopefully we'll still be able to do some of those, uh, you know, maybe maybe we'll do some faster in case you missed it uh, news headlines uh, just to get people caught up yeah. real fast. Yeah, we are we are we are uh, you know experimenting with uh, a new format, so we're gonna see how this rides for a few episodes and see how we feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, give us uh, let us know you know any suggestions you have of what you'd like to hear us talk about. Uh, follow us on our socials on Tokenet socials. Uh, you can also. Uh, comment on the site itself. We'll have a post for our episode as we always do. You can also post uh, there any of your ideas that you want to see. Subscribe on YouTube. Uh, yeah. Like the video. Mm-hmm. That'll definitely be a thing that'll happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but uh, again, thank you guys. Uh, Josh, Brody, mm-hmm. Mal, thank you for joining me on this episode. Good uh, it's good to be back. Good time. It is on the podcast. Really good. It's fantastic to be here. Glad to be talking Tokusatsu after so long. Mm-hmm. I have not been so seeing long. enough Tokusatsu, so I'm glad to be back. G- gonna see if I can get in yeah. some episodes of Geeks tonight. Yeah, mm-hmm. do it. Do it. The Tokenet Podcast is the official podcast of the Tokusatsu Network, your source for official Tokusatsu news and media. If you like our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. You can always find Team Tokenet online on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course our website, tokusatsunetwork.com. 